Hello and welcome to Yours, Mine, and the Truth. My name is Travis Woloshin and this is a podcast that is normally about the texts of my youth and the reevaluation of their merit, but we definitely cross into the whatever comes after youth. I, I don't want to, I'm, I'm certainly not middle-aged yet, I'm not even close, all right? If, if we'll, I mean, whoa, now that I say that, I did, I mean, not to toot my own horn, but I did appear in the Lamorne Morgan show Woke, and I played a middle-aged man. Look, I, I'm not saying I can't play a middle-aged man. I mean, that was the name of my role, but I'm not a middle-aged man quite yet. However, the text we are looking at today kind of fall into a category that is you know, I I can't in good conscience call them texts from my youth. And that is, uh, well, it's the, the second part of our look at the Metal Gear Solid series. And uh, as mentioned before, I just, it's something that I, I got to get it off my chest. And I need to put a bow on this thing because I, it's, uh, it's a pretty fascinating series. And I'm looking forward to talking to you or letting you guys hear more about me talking to my guest today. But before I get to that, I should mention... My other shows here on the Plum Podcast Network, and that is uh, Gideon Guys that I do with my buddy Johnny Hedgepeth. We've been doing it uh, for a little over a year and a half now, or close to a year and a half, I guess. And it is a look at uh, Johnny's favorite TV show, DC's Legends of Tomorrow, one that I'm watching for the first time. We just finished season three. You can find the complete playlist on our SoundCloud, uh, or you can just... Go through uh, Plum Podcast Network and uh, see, uh, scroll through, and you can find wherever you find your podcasts and uh, other good stuff on Plum. Aside from that, um, but other than that, on YouTube you can find our latest episode of Mystery Titans Theater. We just recorded last Saturday with my buddy Dan Roy, and we were looking at uh, SummerSlam 1992, the uh, the lead-in show. It's like a SummerSlam spectacular to try to convince you to buy the pay-per-view. Uh, and that's it was only about an hour and a half long, so we, we added on a, a look at WCW from the same exact same um, time period. It was really really cool and really funny and really interesting uh, uh, comparison of those two cards. That we that's what we do on Mystery Titans Theater every other Saturday. We're usually on Twitch uh, or we are on Twitch live every other Saturday at 7 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. And then we uh, show up on YouTube eventually. Uh, uh, if you want to give me a like and subscribe, that'd be great. It's uh, Jarvis Washing Machine at YouTube, or just look up Mystery Titans Theater. So that brings us to, uh, yeah, I mean, we're back. This is uh, season two, and this is, we had a lot of really, really cool responses to season one and the return. I want to say uh, uh, thank you to our, our old buddy, Zubin Sundar, who really had a lot of kind words and, uh, you know, reached out to me personally and made sure that we got together and talked a bit more about uh, the series, which we did yesterday with another another old friend, Kevin McKenzie. Um, but I also uh, want to address uh, another uh, comment I heard from somebody who, was, who listened to the episode and was talking about uh, it's Tristan Mowat, I believe the name was. Hey, Tristan, thanks for listening. Uh, and it had it said he enjoyed the the kind of the recaps that we did. And that's what we're going to do again today. Um but uh, he had mentioned that we didn't give enough about enough uh, of a shout out to Psycho Mantis, and I thought uh, we really did. And we talked about how uh, 
that scene and that boss fight really kind of shattered our minds. But uh, I guess I could have added that he was, you know, kind of mind controlling all of the soldiers of the Shadow Moses base. So uh, that was something too that I guess I could have thrown in there about the the, the power of Psychomantis. And, you know, that, that, that power does continue in at least two of the games that we're going to look at here in variety of forms. Um, and it's, it's weird. And these games are still weird and that's what I love about them. But, um, uh, they're also really great and fascinating and, uh, and, uh, are really fun to talk about. So that brings us to today when, uh, we we finish off the, the kind of last three Hideo Kojima Metal Gear Solid games. And I'm happy to be joined by an old colleague and a guy who is a wealth of knowledge for video games. Uh, and I've mentioned last week a really, really good video game player. His name is Jason O, and he's going to join me to talk about, first of all, Metal Gear Solid 4, Metal Gear Solid Peace, uh, Peace Walker, Wait, Metal Gear Solid 4. I want to make sure I get, get that key. I should know these off by, off by tarp right now. Guns of the Patriots tactical espionage action that always always has that in there got to give that shout out to pete that uh he mentioned that that is like so all right all right that's what here's what metal gear solid 4 guns of the patriots metal gear solid peace walker metal gear solid v ground zeros and metal gear solid v the phantom pain i mean that's really one game we'll call it metal gear solid v so it's kind of three that all goes together if that sounds confusing yeah yeah it's confusing and it, and it and we're here to and that's kind of why I got, I got where I'm thrilled to be joined by someone to help me kind of make it less confusing but also um you know kind of work our way through uh the, this really really cool series and like I said I know I've been uh, obsessing over it and everybody knows I have been for the last little while so it's great to finally just get it all out and uh, I I really hope you guys enjoy this another really really fun conversation as we wrap up the Metal Gear Solid series here on Yours, Mine, and the Truth. everybody it is yours mine and the truth i am travis i'm back again uh with our, our part two of our series on the metal gear solid series and i am joined by a friend i made probably about I don't know, two years ago two or three years ago we met through the teaching profession uh awesome guy and a guy who as i mentioned before like i, I learned a lot about video games from the time i was working with him but i also 
Uh, you, you guys got me. You and uh, our, our, our co-worker, Rachel, who I'm sure we'll talk about at some point here too, got got me like way, way more into video games lately. And he knows a lot about video games. And also, one of as, as I've always said, one of like easily the best video game player I know, my buddy, Jason. Oh, Jason, how are you? Good. Thank you for having me on. I'm uh, excited to be uh, part of this podcast. First one I've been on, so yeah. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm going to be a little bit... Uh, it's gonna be a little bit uh, weird for me. I'm gonna be a little bit shy, but I'll try my best. That's great. Don't worry. I like. I just, as you know, I've been I've been playing these games. I've talked to you for the the last uh, over the last six months. I've been talking to you about it, and you told me that you love these games. I was like, yes, I got somebody else that I can uh, talk to these ones about. And I think to kind of wrap up the 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 tail end of this kind of weird because uh, Kojima's kind of got the they're they're not prequels and sequels but it kind of works out that way even though they're kind of done in different um what's the word i'm looking for orders doesn't really go in chronological order that way kind of bounces around timeline wise but it can be kind of split up into that uh if you don't count the two msx uh games that he did originally right the eight the eight bit ones so But I thought for the for the last three, because you, uh, as I said, one of the best, like you, the way you talk about games like Dark Souls or Cuphead, you'd almost kind of like apologize to us about, yeah, I had to do it on the toughest difficulty and I had to get an A plus. Like it, it's like it's like it's like a porn star with a monster like hog just walking around, <laughs> but but like not wanting to brag about it because but because you play. Give me give me a little bit of your life growing up with video games what did you start with where how how much has it been around uh what brought you to now i think i think uh my very first experience with uh video games was was uh first zelda i think um well i didn't know what was going on uh right. like because i was I, I don't think i was i think i was like uh uh four or four uh four years old or so mm-hmm. uh, and so i remember vividly walking through dungeons and wow. things like that and, uh from the top down kind of look at it mm-hmm. you knew it was danger uh, it was danger you learned it was you that's when you first learned it was dangerous to go yeah but i don't think i knew how to read english so yeah. i have no idea what's going on but i was just pressing buttons yeah but then my first like actual console and actually learning how to play video games with was a was a super nintendo where i actually got um, Super Mario World, and basically that was my. It's still one of my favorite games. And mm-hmm. I think it's one of the best games ever made. And I know but, you love uh, Super Mario World too. Yoshi's Island is a yeah. That that one's also really good. Yeah. Um. But yeah. Uh, other than that, um, I just kept playing video games. Uh, my you know my dad got got me a, a computer and started playing computer games and things like that. But I started with the SNES. Uh, like I vividly remember playing a lot of video games on that. So I, I was I played like. Uh, battle toads battle maniacs so like i i, I got I, I'll, I'll, I'll famously yeah. famously difficult okay did you ever yeah. finish did you ever finish for the nes um uh the first teenage mutant ninja turtles did you ever no finish? i tried that i i did not yeah. I, it, that frustrated me so much yeah, that, that i just i can't wow. do it. there you go even i think it was just because the controls were just yeah. garbage oh yeah and that and that swimming level just the worst uh, oh yes i remember that swimming level <laughs> yeah and the thing is like if you're used to uh, i grew up on the snes so i i i played with uh games with really good controls and like better swimming levels like the donkey kong country of course like, they had a legendary uh, a swimming level with yep. the music and everything. Mm-hmm. So, so once I, I went back to the, the the nest when I could, and I played those eight bit games and things like that. But the only games I really really liked were like from the, that uh, age was because I was spoiled with the SNES 
was basically like Zelda and uh, the Mega Man games. Like I love yep. the Mega Man games also yep. because they were so difficult. Yeah, and it's funny. Like I've noticed, like I talked about with my my guest last week, how I think the eight bit and sixteen bit graphics have aged so much better than that first generation of like PS one and N sixty four. Yeah. But that being said, and the NES is like everybody's like favorite kind of thing. There aren't as many NES games that I can go back and play the way I can with uh, Super Nintendo. And I, and I know even like some of them, like some that I remembered a lot more fondly, like kind of they lose their luster uh, a bit more going back now. Have you found that? Yeah, because, well, like the NES games are very, um, they're supposed to be very difficult because they're supposed to be translated to like arcades, right? Right. Where they're supposed to be putting uh, quarters in or dimes in. Order. Right. Uh, so basically they're made to be very difficult. Uh, you basically uh, couldn't have, you couldn't continue the game. You didn't have any saves or anything like that. Right. And, and it's just meant to be frustrating. And I think our expectations for home consoles have changed so far yeah. from that. Nobody wants that anymore. Yeah. Okay. But since then you've had like, like pretty much, you've played pretty much everything along the way. Uh, yeah. I basically had almost every console ever since then. Uh, but mostly, mostly the uh, super, uh, like the Nintendo consoles. Like uh, I, I would say I, like, out of everything, I'm, I'm a PC guy. Mm-hmm. But I'm I have a soft spot for Nintendo, so I will always buy their stuff no matter yeah. what. I, yeah. I feel like you always have to have if you're a gamer, you should always have a, yeah. a Nintendo console just because they have really like really good games. Uh, yeah, every, the fun every, fact. Every, yeah. uh, the only one I didn't have is the win uh, the the Wii U because they really screwed that up. Yeah, uh, just didn't and quite I borrowed my friends Wii U. Yeah, um, but I, I know from what I played of it, I I enjoyed it too. They just didn't yeah. they didn't uh, support it enough with the games and it just didn't take off right yeah it's it's sad but uh other than that i'll be like i i other than that will be sony because i also have all the playstations all the playstations Uh, yeah i I feel like i played of all the consoles i probably played playstations the most Mm -hmm. because i i was one of those kids that had um you know uh the the playstation with the modded playstation where i just get like hundreds of cds of uh, playstation games and then and then um yeah so i was just really spoiled with playstation uh and that i think um yeah, but in the end, Nintendo's still like in my heart, uh, like because like SNES, uh, the Super Nintendo N sixty four was what I grew up with. Yeah, and yep. I would just like go home, play games, play those uh, with my with my friends. Like after uh, in high school, we would even though the you know, PlayStation PlayStation two were out, we would just go home, uh, go to our friend's uh, buddy's house, and play Super Smash Bros against each other, mm-hmm. like uh, on N sixty four, like constantly every day after school, mm-hmm. even though it was like. 10, like 10 years old mm-hmm. we I've, I've seen you play super smash brothers and yes you were you were very good at it <laughs> i can confirm um yeah so that's funny because because you know me i only had a switch and this ps i had a ps3 only as not to buy because i was into sony games because my blu-ray player was done and i have a lot of blu-rays mm-hmm. i wanted to watch and i ended up buying some things and just over like the last six months i was like you know what i metal gear solid i remember from when i played it in 98 was like was like the best like one of the best experiences I had playing video games and I'm playing way more video games now. Uh, but I've been primarily on the, on the, the switch and going through the Mario's. I did all the Mario 3d all-stars and, um, galaxy and, but I was, I was finding like, maybe I, I, I love breath of the wild, as you know. Um, so I was, but I was like, I should go I would dig into it, like a good story again. And I remembered, yeah, I loved metal gear and what an experience for me. And I have the HD collection. So like, let's actually do this. And, um, yeah, I got sucked right back in. Um, and then over time, so over the time of me playing this, going for two, three, and then as we're going to see here, <clears throat> four, Peace Walker, and 
and V are five, what we're going to talk about today. Uh, my brother, who I really got to give a shout out to, because uh, I mentioned him briefly. He's the one who I, I was originally able to play Metal Gear Solid with on his PlayStation when I was visiting Calgary. I, I never had a PlayStation. Um, but also his, uh, through a bunch of circumstances, he was gifted. I don't know what even the name of the, the newest Xbox is. What's the... Uh, I, I don't know if it's Xbox One or I forgot. I, I, t- I t- actually do S not or know. Something. Yeah, I don't know. But but anyways, it's, it's awesome. And like Game Pass is like is totally made them relevant again, right? Oh, Series X. Series I, X. I, I, Xbox, yeah. Like uh, Microsoft, Xbox needs to figure out how to name stuff. Right. I know. Yeah. I know. So weird. At least PS always just gives them their numbers. So because yeah. of this, uh, I, so I was slated to pl- just keep, I was happy to just keep playing, you know, V and like I finished four on PS3 and i'd started ground zeros but then my brother um they, i was going to finish uh, phantom pain even on my ps3 and my brother tells me hey because i got this series x you can have my ps4 I'm like, yeah, baby. so i got to play uh these last two games well first i i'd started but because i got ps now i went back and played ground zeros as well on ps4 and man oh gorgeous but uh i guess we should just uh get to it then unless you have any um had you played one two and three before this Yes, I, I so I played the mainline uh, uh, Metal Gear uh, uh, solids, and and I played the original Metal Gears, but a long time ago. So. Yeah, the MSX ones you had, yeah. or, or the or the NES. What did you? Play? Uh, I think I I I, I uh, emulated them. Okay. I, I, I try to find the better versions of yeah. them because I know their their versions are like really wonky. They're mm-hmm. not that good. Uh, I think the NES version is that I did right. I, yeah. I got... No, and it's just like you know, sounds like really obtuse and and tough difficult in a way yeah. that's like it's not rewarding but um and then the snake's revenge i guess as, as yeah. i mentioned last week kojima disliked it so much that he made the he made the own next sequel kind of out of spite yeah. just to have a good one yeah uh, which i guess is really good metal gear 2 uh twin snake or solid snake yeah to be I, I, I can go over like my history of metal gear okay yeah go ahead yeah, yeah so so uh first first like i played metal gear i didn't know what it was but i remember playing it was when i was young and I didn't really like it because it was it's so it's one of the most uh it, they don't tell you how to do anything, I feel like. Yeah, it's like, I think just, that's like, what I heard of. You keep on dying. And yeah. then it was like, okay, I, I have I don't know what to do. Um uh but then um I, my friend had a PlayStation uh and he played Final Fantasy VII, and we used to go to his house to watch him play, and then he got Neural Gear Solid. And I was watching him like this is really interesting because we never seen any game like that before mm-hmm. where it's like very story driven and it's like very mature themes. So like we were just, we we're in high school, like just right. started high school. So right. we we're like, what, what is going on? What, what are you talking about? Like, Oh, just cool. Ninja, like cool. Uh, stealth ninja, a secret agent thing. Yeah. Right? And, and then we're like, we're playing it. And it's like, it's very interesting. And then I think it what caught, I captured it right away. It's just like the, the music was really good. Like the, it just felt really intense and it mm-hmm. kind of captured us. Mm-hmm. So and I that, and that would stand that stays and then and I think if anything well when by the time we get to the end here if I think there was anything that really really peaks there's a number of things that peak by the time we get to the end here uh and music is one yeah. for sure yeah. music is it, the music is just, uh I feel like it, it was so good it, yeah. it, every game had yeah. really good music um and I guess the, it, it carries on like because they reuse a lot of different things mm-hmm. uh, but uh, yeah, so that was my first experience seeing Metal Gear Solid. I never really played the first, uh, the one on PlayStation until like I got older and started emulating it. Yeah. Um, but uh, I the first one I uh, Metal Gear Solid I played a lot of was Metal Gear Solid Two because I had I had the PS2 and my mm. friend had it and I borrowed it. And I was like, 
I, I knew about the game, uh, but um, I, I think I started playing it a little bit and I was like, oh, this is interesting. But it, it was also, uh, I wasn't used to the, the game. So it, it, it was uh, kind of confusing. But and, then, oh yeah, because it's so self-referential and like yeah. it's like expecting you to, it really is expecting you to have not only know the story of the first one, but to have played the story of the first yeah. one, because the things that you're doing, the play gameplay is referential to things that happened in the first one gameplay wise too. Yeah. yeah. I, so I wasn't really used to it. And, um, but, but then uh, the one I actually finished first, like the Mario Gear Solid was the remade version on GameCube. Cool. Uh, the right. uh, twins is twin snakes, twin right? Snakes, yeah. And I, I feel like that's one of my favorite games. Awesome. Um, Wow! See, I had heard that's what's funny because Pete really, uh, uh, the guy last week uh, I had on last week really stood up for it too, and I I feel like that has more of a reputation on. I got the impression that like people don't like it as much. Yeah, yeah, which I don't understand because uh, maybe it's because there's purists who like, oh, no, Mario Gear Solid One, you have to play on the uh, PlayStation, Mm -hmm. like the the first one, right? And I, I went back to play. I'm like, I understand like. The, the nostalgia for, uh, factor of it. And it, it still holds up really well. Yeah. You can go back and play it. And if you get an HD, you know, some people make uh, HD versions of it or like mods for it. And it's yeah, like an amazing, I've seen, right? I've seen quite a bit, yeah. You're, you're really good. Yeah. And, and the, but I feel like the um, Twin Snakes actually captures a lot of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I like the, and, and, and I don't know. I just, that was my first one I finished. Yeah. I just love that game. Uh, I, I love, it's just, um, I think games are, uh, they're slow. Uh, 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 slow, like they require you to go slow these games a lot of times. Uh, except some, uh, like uh, sometimes it just kind of goes goes crazy, goes bonkers uh, eventually. Right. But it's, I feel like they always have this where uh, well, we can talk to this about a little bit more. But they always keep it like very slow, very methodical, and all of a sudden yeah. there's like oh, there's this payoff, this huge action scene yeah. or yeah. huge action thing that uh, kind of releases all that tension. Yeah, or, and I uh, guess with, with with the Twin Snakes stuff, they re- and I saw some of it, there's, a, there's somebody who's just been playing live, I don't know if he's raising money or something on YouTube for like the past, feels like the past week, and I tuned it, I just clicked on it, uh, and it was showing uh, some of the Twin Snakes stuff, and I see how like the, the cutscenes are way more like Matrix-esque, and yeah. uh, uh, kind of more of like what we'd see with Raiden later, so yeah, yeah, no, I, I get it. Um, I, was it. Was it made after Metal Gear Solid 2? I believe so. Yeah, I, that yeah. would make that would make sense because yeah, it, yes, it, because it has like because it has PS2 graphics, right? Oh, right, right, yeah, 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 yeah. 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 Um, but yeah, that was I, I love that game, and then I went back to finish Metal Gear Solid Two, and then oh, I really didn't like it the first time I played Metal Gear Solid Two, but when I went back and I'm like, okay, Raiden, yeah, you're, everyone doesn't like uh, like they don't like Raiden, uh, that, but I like. Uh, in yeah. the end, I'm like, he's just another character, whatever. Mm-hmm. And then you start, you learn to like him later on if, when he shows up in other games. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, but actually, I don't know. Uh, Metal Gear Solid 2 was also uh, pretty good. I, I felt like it was, um, I don't know, everything just being in one place besides the first prologue. Right. It felt, it felt really, uh, it felt a more, I, I don't know, how, how was it? Constrained. Constrained, but yeah. it, it felt like you. Um, it was like you're on one one mission and like yeah uh, it felt yep. it felt really uh which is when i talk about uh um when we start talking about phantom pain that's what uh, one of the things i don't really like about it uh, it's it like all the missions right yeah it's just that's like everywhere right. uh, yeah. but uh, i i like that like uh it felt more like a singular mission mm-hmm. like you had to finish mm-hmm. it yep. uh, uh from the start to beginning and and that's it yeah but of course uh, everything the story is all the uh, story is kind of crazy too and whatnot <laughs> kind of 
Yeah. I, I mean, it's, it's good. But then, uh, and then Metal Gear Solid 3, that's the, I feel like that's the best game. Yeah, that's like so, the, the most uh, universally beloved, right? It, I, it was just uh, the the way they implemented new things, like kind of seamlessly, uh, through, uh, like uh, the camouflage system and all and all this uh, yeah. the eating and the survival aspect that's of it. Right. It was pretty good. It was like, yeah. it, it was like, a, it, it took a little bit to get used to, especially if you play a lot of the first and second one. Mm -hmm. It was really good. And, um, and I feel like the um, the characters are just so cool. Yeah. I, I, like all, all the characters were just so cool in yeah. that one. And and and, and and like it's just the tightest story, right? Like everything, like it's just and that that would be the one I would rec. I said I'd recommend it most to like non or, or if someone had never played it and isn't really into the whole kind of wacky Hideo ness that's going to yeah. come. That'd be like the best first one to show them, I think. Yeah, and then and I play and then um I purposely bought a PS3 just to play Metal Gear Solid Four. Yeah, and like because you when you see the um, when you saw their their demos for it their that one when, when mm -hmm. you're showing it off it looks so amazing at that All time right. it was one of the best looking okay games. It, well, yeah and let's 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 get right into it then because that's where we're going to start here today metal gear, metal gear solid 4 guns of the patriots released june 12 2008 only on the playstation 3 it was the only one that is still uh exclusive to one console mm. uh, it sold over six million copies it really boosted ps3 sales Really, yeah, and it, and it really pushed uh, uh, the PlayStation 3 to its limits, right? It looks yeah. really good. Got a 94 out of 100 on Metacritic. Got a few Game of the Year awards uh, from various things. This is before the actual video game awards existed, mm. which we'll get to later. Uh, however, it's widely seen as the most flawed, I think, of the six Kojima Metal Gear Solid games. Do you, would you agree that it has that yeah, reputation? I would totally yeah. agree with that. Okay. Uh, gameplay, gameplay upgrades uh, include uh, really streamlined view, over-the-shoulder weapon aiming, aiming, and option for a first-person view, but also uh, a psyche meter. This is a different thing, so it really affects the psychology of the player. So anytime somebody, uh, you know, he could get a literal kick in the nuts, but he could get an emotional kick in the nuts in this one, so it's great. Uh, but the other big change, uh, what you had mentioned, the change in camouflage from uh, uh, Snake Eater, the change to the octo camo in this is totally different and a really really cool um uh, again new alteration and finally we meet the metal gear mark ii which is this little robot that that whips around and and helps you out and figures things out and it's not as cutesy wootsy as it could be but it's still kind of cutesy wootsy and oh the other big thing is like weapons now have ids on them and we'll learn more about that as mm -hmm. we go uh, as I said, this really pushed PlayStation Three to its limit. I remember when you, yeah, as I mentioned this in the last step, when you when you put it in to load, it takes about forty minutes. I remember, and it's just uh, old Snake just smoking a, a cigarette from start to to finish. And, oh yeah, I can't remember that. Yeah, and they finally give you. Eventually, they give you. Hey, kids, probably you probably shouldn't smoke. <laughs> like after it's been on for about twenty minutes. So story takes. So this comes again. Story comes out. That's what I was saying. I love about how Kojima with his with his kind of science fiction he thinks of it as speculative fiction so he doesn't go too far into the future so this is coming out in 2008 but it takes place in 2014 uh solid snake is experiencing accelerated aging is now referred to as old snake i guess this is still remnants of the old fox die that he got from uh, in the original metal gear solid the world is in chaos there's a war economy so this is really a look at the the mil industri military industrial uh, complex more than more directly, I guess maybe more as it like as it's like peak or like uh, an imagined peak. Uh, um, yeah, uh, and there's never-ending battles. Uh, the few, it's fueling the need for these private military companies. Um, so Snake 
lives on an airplane nomad with Hal, our buddy, old Otacon, looking great. He looks great in this one, by, by the way. And, uh, and Olga Galukovic's daughter, Sunny, who is a child prodigy. She's like, uh, uh, um, we remember Olga from Metal Gear Solid 2, was killed by Solidus, but... Uh, 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 she's, uh, but we knew she was pregnant and they had, Snake had to kill Solidus at the end of Metal Gear Solid 2 or they were going to kill this kid. Um, and now this is who she is. And she's, uh, it's, uh, she's a computer's programming and, and genetic engineer, like genius, but uh, at the age of like, speak of, do you think that computer's cutesy wootsy? Sunny is cutesy wootsy to a fault. And she's always making eggs. Um, we also know we've got, a uh, revolver, uh, liquid ocelot is launching an insurrection on the Patriots. He's trying to take them all down. But that's still, a revolver ocelot is no more. He's now entirely liquid ocelot because the hand, or at least as yep. we still think, has taken over at this point. Um, but, uh, really great, um, again, like I would mention, like motion capture act, uh, acting, you notice with him, because he's always doing the head, head uh, shakes, uh, hand movements like he always does. And we also learn that Raiden has drifted away from Rose, the aforementioned Raiden, who has uh, miscarried, apparently. And he's a cyborg ninja fighting for the Patriots. And Meryl Silverberg, who we haven't heard from since Metal Gear Solid 1, uh, is uh, often, uh, uh, she commands a, a private military company. It's kind of like an inspection unit. They're called like the Rat Patrol. She's kind of got like this gang of like these thugs that has, what she kind of gets around. That kind of sets everything up here. Um... Yeah, am I missing anything from like kind of like kind of how I kind of set the stage for this thing that you can think of? I, th I think that's I think that's pretty good. I think uh, that's how that's how I remember it. Yeah, and and it throws you right in to and it's it's this is split up into five acts and an epilogue, and the a really nice font. Um, it, different from the other ones, it's not as uh, you know kind of metal gear like kind of thing. It's more of like uh, almost like. Um, like Japanese characters, the way it's like written, uh, like Act One, Liquid Sun is the name of the first one. And you're in a Middle East war zone and you're hearing uh, David Hayter's voice. War has changed. So he sounds like Snake, but he sounds like old oh, yeah. Snake. Yeah, he's older. Um, and it really, I remember this really just throws you right into this, right? You don't have much time to think. There's very little, because this acts as a tutorial, but you're thrown right into a, a, a war zone. Do you remember this right at the beginning? I, th I think I do. I just remember, I, 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 um, I haven't played in a long time, yeah. but I remember, I remember, um, you, you're just, it's just a lot of, a lot of brown, a lot of, uh, um, right, lot right, of dirt right. everywhere. Really yeah. dusty, right? And dusty, it's like yeah. urban warfare and it's just two sides against each other. And you can't really, I mean, you can eventually kind of side with one, uh, I guess, but it's not part of the, the part yeah, of the mission. Yeah. Uh, so you see amongst all this, you see this like a, a gecko which is essentially this new advanced kind of like, a, it's kind of like a bio uh, mech hybrid where it's bought, its legs look kind of more um, flesh-like, but the top yeah. of them is, is more like a, uh, uh, like your standard kind of metal gear or mecha type bipedal things. It's like Rex, it kind of looks like Rex style, right? On yeah, yeah, but but mixed with that kind of, it's got this weird kind of hybrid there. Um and, and it just like slaughters a bunch of men, but Old Snake manages to escape. So this is just really setting the stage here. Right away, you're like freaked. I'm like, I'm like, how do I aim? You know, <laughs> it's just uh, you meet with, uh, you meet up with. Again, you meet your Mark too. Here's where you get that cute, that cute little robot, and it gives you the solid eye. And this is kind of how you stay in contact with 
uh, Otacon from this point on. The codecs are not as, they're not used at all as they have been in the first three. It's kind of basically um, not entirely removed, but you're just not using them. It's like, it's not an option kind of thing to use it the way you would in the past. Do you remember that? I, I actually don't remember uh, the codex system in, uh, in in the fourth one actually. Yeah, that, I don't how, like. How, I don't. I think it's it's basically gone. Like you, it's nothing like where you're having to stop and like talk to everybody to try to get clues. You are having to listen to some recordings and they or just extended speeches uh, in ways that kind of foreshadow things to come. But yeah, like the, the way that you had been using codec in the first three is kind of absent from this one. And I think that's one of the first things I think a lot of people had a problem with, but I, I don't think that's the biggest problem with uh, Metal Gear Solid 4 at all, mm. as we'll get to. So you make it to a safe house and you meet Drebin. So he's this uh, this black dude with a really low voice and he's got a like uh, kind of Dennis Rodman hair and a, and, a, and a stud earring and he gets around this this big van that has all these weapons in it. But he's also got a shaved monkey in a diaper. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and he's always drinking soda pop. Um, and so, like, he's a guy who's ex he's explains to Old Snake how, or, and us, basically, the viewers, as to how the, the, you have to be, you have to, like, guns at this point, you can't just pick any gun up and fire it. It has to have your personal ID on it, which is kind of interesting, an interesting mm -hmm. idea. Um, but... He so he gives him an, an M4 custom and then just casually injects him with nano machines as well, like kind of a little too easily. Yeah, I, I that, that was really that was uh well it comes back later. And, it and does then, come back. And, and and it's just interesting. It was like uh yeah how, like oh you need this to change yes. the gun. Just, right. just take it. Yeah. Just take okay. It. Do it on this side. Do it on this side. I got one from before that kind of backfired on me. Yeah, yeah. Like you don't think you would have. Kind of you already table. got a shot that, <laughs> like, that was used to kill people. And then yeah. Take another one. Okay. But yeah, he takes it because apparently this is how. Like then you can pick up any gun you want, and that that's what he tells him anyway. So then uh, as you're snooping around, you run into Meryl, and again the the Beauty and the Beast uh, uh, unit, which is what they're called. Oh no 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 no! That's not her. Her unit is the Rat unit. Pardon me, right. but she's also there with uh, our buddy. Uh, this is after you you find her after you see for the first time our beloved fan favorite who's shown up in, in spurts, and I pun intended, Johnny Sasaki now has like a full-on role in this game. Johnny Sasaki is famous in the previous games for, and, and his father in, in Metal Gear Solid 3 because he wasn't alive yet, uh, for having diarrhea. That's what he's known for in these games. <laughs> And the first time you meet Johnny, he is hiding in a barrel with diarrhea. It's a really embarrassing moment. And it's just awful. And there's kind of, there's, I don't know if there's, there's, there's always moments in these games where I'm like, I'm so glad my wife is not in the room right now. And this, <laughs> this is one of them. It just goes on for so long. It's so stupid. And it's only the start um, because they, they really cling to this diarrhea thing, especially for all this first act. It ends up being important, I guess. But this is kind of a hint at to what is pissing people off here is that Kojima's leaning into these things 
that were just kind of like he 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 but he's so it's kind of like he's kind of putting a middle finger up at everybody's faces here but also kind of giving these giving them like fan service because it's it's famously he wanted to be done by two (laughs) i guess the story goes or he thought two was going to be done he wasn't going to be working on three it had started but the people there at the very beginning ended up leaving and then he came in and and took over and did everything that's kind of why or some people say that's the meta kind of story there as to how it starts with this virtuous mission and it has to be changed and have somebody else come in or do it from like a different point of view thing because that's kind of how it went with him and I don't know what the circumstances were entirely at this point, but I know that this is a very different... Uh, so this tone, this is like his Michael Bay uh, um, movie here, right? Uh, or his Michael Bay... like Because he's always giving an homage to different... Like I think, he, as I said before, I think he James Cameron is the American filmmaker who probably influences him the most, but there's lots of others like Tony Scott and... Um, um, you know, John McTiernan, like the guys who did like the Die Hard um, movies and things like that. But this one just starts to become excess, right? And with a, with this what was cute little joke is suddenly a main character and he's got diarrhea all the time. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I, I, I just like it, it kind of like takes you out of the game a little bit because yeah. Oh, yeah. you're like, how did this guy survive? Yeah. How did this guy survive all those the Moses incident and all this other stuff? Like, how, how, how did right. he get in there? And, and all and, this, and, and he, he, right. he's still a bumbling idiot in this one. And you're like, uh, how is he? How is he part of this group? Uh, like uh, this, like uh, this military, this elite military group. If he's yeah. actually like kind of like stupid and yep. like a bumbling fool. It's... Yep. So, anyways, we meet him, and he kind of leads you to Meryl. Um, and we see uh, some other Max Haven troopers and the beauty. This is where we see the Beauty and the Beast unit. So this is like the the you know, super villain bosses that we're going to have to face uh, throughout the game. And they show up and they slaughter another militia. Um, and that kind of is a cut scene that is shorter, relatively speaking, from what we're about to kind of get into. Um, so we learned Meryl's not happy with Snake for, for uh, going to kill Liquid, but she can't stop him. You notice there's a tension between them. Snake eventually finds Liquid at a soldier's camp. When, and Liquid is standing on a, a balcony looking over them all at this camp. And he says something like, activate it. And suddenly all the soldiers fall to the ground in pain. And Stank is not as badly affected, but he's still kind of hurt too. But Johnny is not affected at all. He carries mm-hmm. Snake to safety. And finally we see uh, uh, Naomi, um, Naomi Hunter, the doctor, from the one who had initially injected you with Fox Die way back when in Metal Gear Solid, shows up. And tells, uh, says something to Snake about his his destiny, and that kind of ends Act One, kind of in this like as everyone as all these soldiers, like it's a really uh, weird kind of thing. As you you've already seen like these really violent scenes from in the War Zone before, and you 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 know that this is the main villain. Now here he does something without um, firing a trigger, right? Where but it's still like super disturbing. Where you see all these, um, uh, I'll, I use the word disturbing. That's pretty relative in Kojima terms, too, because we're going to get to some other uh, subject matter that is way worse than this. But it was just it just has this weird feeling where like everyone's kind of like just falling to the ground and nothing. Nobody's attacking them, but they're all dying. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, And this is kind of what wraps up act one. Um, Anything else you can remember from this section of the game? Uh, I like I feel like. it was um, was it was it? It's a pretty short 
part of the game, right? Uh, it was only like uh, an hour or two hours or so. I this mean, game is really long, right? Yeah. I, I mean, for me, <laughs> maybe for you, uh, Kid Nintendo, or that, that's not, I should call you King Nintendo. My buddy Max has always went by Kid Nintendo. Uh, but I mean, I remember it took me a while to get through it because I was still, like, I'm still, uh, my learning curve it's still at this point is a lot uh, steeper. But yeah, con c compared to the rest of the game, there's still some extent, especially when you're talking with Mural and meeting everybody, and there's some good stuff with those, I guess, I think they're called the Haven Troopers, that kind of look like frogmen that kind of jump in there. Um, that is pretty good. Um, um, but yeah. Yeah, yeah, it is. A, it, it does feel a little shorter. Shorter as we go. I think the first two are pretty short. Yeah, I think I feel like uh, in, in in the this first uh, I guess act or whatever, um, they don't really explain too much to you, and and then they just kind of throw everything at you at you right. the, uh, after this, right? Right after. Well, this. especially but at the end here, like okay, what the heck is this? Like this yeah. is kind of weird. Yeah. Yeah, and then um, they like, kind of explain a lot of it. Like I, I feel like in this game, they they talk so much. Yep. They just they just throw exposition at you. Like yeah, because like, that really starts with like after every act, we have these like extended briefings. Yes. Um. Yeah. So at the end of each one, it's so like, and it takes place on the Nomad with, uh, uh, where it's Hal and Snake always, and like, so, and sometimes Sunny, and sometimes somebody else is there. But it's interesting because you can change cameras and you can also move around with the Mark II to kind of pick up stuff around here that can help you out later. Um, but right, so right after this, Snake uh, wakes up on uh, on board um, uh, here for this briefing, and we learn that Naomi is being forced to cooperate with Liquid because she is the creator of Fox Die, and they need her for whatever reason. Um, and here's where we get the return of Roy Campbell, uh, Colonel Roy Campbell, who is still an old sourpuss, like still old grouch, old raspberry. I guess I'd call it, yeah, he's a raspberry, I guess you'd call him. Uh, he's got a, uh, or a crab apple. That's, that's what we'll call him. He's a crab apple. Uh, and uh, he's got this new message. That you got to go to South America with this cover job as a UN inspector. Um, and you also learn that, I think you learn at this point, that Rosemary, Raiden's old uh girl is is married to camel here so everything's getting this weird kind of incestual yeah yeah it's yeah. everything's kind of off yeah it's just like it doesn't make any sense and yeah. then it yeah. still doesn't make any sense at the end no it? not really but <clears throat> here you eventually find naomi uh 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 she has the same um blouse problem that eva had <laughs> which is that her boobs are just always out um yeah, I did want to mention that I'd written, I'd put in stars here because I hadn't really talked about the Octo Camel, but it starts to become more and more important as you go. Um, yeah, it starts to show up more here because we go from that kind of urban uh, kind of war zone to South America, which it's still, you know, through the, it feels like city streets, but it's more small town and more, even more kind of tan and brown. It kind of, it's interesting the way you're not having to buy, get new camel, but uh, you're able to adjust and as you kind of go through these new locations. Um, so, uh, oh yeah, so Naomi explains how Liquid plans to use Big Boss's biometrics to take control of the Patriot's gun control idea system. Snake learns his accelerated aging is on purpose. It was a genetic mutation as a, as a clone, which he is. He's a clone of Big Boss. Also, fox-dyed virus will mutate and within months spread to the general population that's inside him. So he basically knows, wow, so you're telling me I've got to kill myself. Uh, and she's like, well, I'm not going to tell you what to do there, Snake, but I will repeat. And, uh, so 
liquid soldiers. So like, oh yeah. So I remember he's like following her down through in this area and it's kind of like in these old shacks. Uh, do you remember this? This is where he's finding her. And again, as she's like giving this like really, really um, um, dreadful news about uh, and really dire news about him, how he's going to die. Uh, this is when you can hit that like kind of R1 and RL2 and zoom in on her boobs that are hanging out and stuff. And this, again, I think th this is, and it's way more in this. You have the option to do this, especially at like really inopportune times. And when we get to these, um, uh, the the Beauty and the Beast, the, the, the... they're all like supermodels, right? And shot in the uh, the most... Like I don't know how you could. It feels like, like falling the, on the ground. Yeah, and, like, and I feel look. I feel like the motion captured a few camel toes, Jay. I'm not yeah. gonna lie to you because it is. It is. Because was very horny. Yeah, yeah. It's it's kind of like he's just trying to push the envelope. But this, and again, like he's like, oh, you like when I'm hiding like cute uh, or, or bikini girls in lockers? Well, I'm gonna just overdo it with girls that are just gonna be right up in like sliding all over the place, right up in yeah. your camera and stuff. Um, so yeah, so the liquid soldiers show up and capture Naomi and you have to face liquid octopus, who's the first one. Uh, uh, and she's like a kind of a, yeah, like a docked octopus. Um, she kills a bunch of soldiers, but she does it with snake's face. I remember early on here. So they start to think that he's doing it because that's something you could do with the face camel in this too. I uh, remember this was a tricky boss fight where she uses that camel a lot. And after defeating her, you talk with Drebin over the codex and this is how you would get codex. It wouldn't be like in the middle of the games. It'd be post boss fight. And he kind of clear you clear the air between each other first. It's like, oh yeah, about that. So yeah, no, it's we're cool, right? When I when I put that injection into you, uh, and he gets into here, he gets into Liquid Octopus's origin story, and man, each one of these women's stories is just it's long, and graphic, and just really just explains like the most traumatic shit as to why these these women came the way they are mm. that they are. I should remember. I should mention also after you first when you kill them. You kill them in their in their form with all this mech and stuff on them, and then they're just like they're stripped down and everything kind of removes, and then they're then they're just these kind of uh, creeped out hot babes just kind of walking towards you that you kind of have to shoot one last time. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah, they're like they're like very like they feel like they're like stumbling towards you. Right? Yeah, I, yeah. Remember yeah, and it's just like it's a weird little thing that they throw in at the end there, but it just makes you feel like weirder about it because it kind of reminds. I think that's on purpose. That yeah. that's like, oh yeah, you're killing a real person here, and then he's like, oh yeah, so that like maniac who was trying to kill you and was killing everybody before. Here's the reason why they are the way they are, and it's always just terrible about their village being slaughtered or something. And why do they laugh? Well, it's because they heard laughing in the night or something. It's just terrible. Um. So as you finish wrap up there and you're still kind of going through South America, you start to get some tips from Raiden on, I start to hear from him, uh, who is apparently, uh, he's on the outs with Rose. We learned that they're not together anymore. Mm -hmm. Uh, he eventually shows up to help you rescue Naomi and he looks awesome. This is the first time we've seen him since, uh, since Metal Gear Solid 2 and he's, he's had a makeover. <laughs> he looks Which also doesn't make any sense at all. Like, uh, uh, like how that works, I the, the cyborg stuff. Oh no, no, but I don't care. I like that they, yeah, could, that cool. they could just yeah. He's like C three PO. Really good game after uh, after that. Yeah, I was gonna ask you about that. I never played it. I, um, we talked a Vengeance. bit about it. yeah, yeah, yeah. um, and yeah, because he's just he looks like cyborg ninja now, but still with like that blonde uh, flock of beaver hair, um, and he uh just shows up and 
and he looks awesome, like I said, in his first fight with Vamp Hampens. Uh, where Vamp returns for Metal Gear Solid 2, still voiced by Phil Lamar, looking even more homoerotic or, or sexually ambiguous or whatever, uh, but very erotic. <laughs> That's part of his style. Uh, as his uh, first fight, um, but who, uh, Raiden ends up getting injured, and he's just like, like throwing up like this white liquid, so you know that he's not. They're really trying to amplify that he's not human anymore, or like less human than he was. Um, you can hear it in his voice too. They've added some sort of kind of uh, effect to it. But, anyways, they escape, uh, and that's the end of Act Two. Anything else you can remember from that? You remember that? So that's when the cutscene. That's when we first see Raiden as to what he would eventually become, what he's known for now, yeah. and and when he's he's more he's a lot more liked now because they made a, uh, another Metal Gear game outside of this kind of the Kojima. Uh, yeah. ones where he, it's just hack and slash and he's um yeah so you've played that one as well i, I played a little bit of it and i watched a lot of it because i didn't want to pay for the whole game because yeah. i was like i don't know if i want to pay, pay for this game but apparently it's, i but it's i heard metal gear fans like it and like people who like uh hack and slash games like it because it's actually pretty pretty cool mm-hmm. but I, what i remember from this uh act the most is like how um like when when writing shows up, it was it was it was like oh sick is writing and then um and then it, it, it they basically um he started cutting those geckos right yeah and, 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 yeah. It, and it seems like it's it'll look very gruesome too because they it seemed like they ha- they were made of flesh too yeah yep. you cut them and they basically made a whole game about cutting mo- um, cutting these things things apart uh, uh, yeah. yeah. but uh, yeah I remember that I just remember vamp licking his knife knives yep. a lot right? yeah that's his, uh, thing. That's that. his thing I'm, I'm just looking back i'm looking through uh, i'm going through the uh, uh game walkthrough right now on the side just looking yep. at the shots i'm like oh yeah now they just literally leave naomi's uh, whole front open wide open right she's a professional yeah. I, i'm not going to question her she knows I'm, what she's doing I mean, I guess they're in very, uh, they're places that are very hot. So I guess. They, I guess so. South I, I guess America. Yeah. It's the common. Yeah. That's well, what every uh, nurse looks like. I feel like they started ramping up the action in this, in this act where it's like, because uh, the geckos are chasing you yeah. and then you're like, you're, you're, you're on this uh, turret. Um, uh, and then you're just like blasting, blasting it in so far. Right. Right. And they're just chasing after you. Yeah. Um, yeah. It, it, yeah. They, they're basically ramping up the action. Um, I, I don't know. I don't. I, I guess the um, I remember uh, this is a off thing, but I was like recapping this. And I was looking at the uh, just only the mo- the movies, uh, the the v- videos or whatever. Right. I think it's like about almost nine hours of of, of just straight up cutscenes. Yep. I, and I feel like uh, so far there wasn't as many cutscenes, so they nope. kind of load it in the middle and the end, then right? Uh, yeah, and the end especially. And and, and yeah. especially yeah, because there's one that I remember the most of. Uh, yeah. Which is the the in between three and four in between three okay i think okay okay we'll see we'll see yeah yeah, i remember Uh, that one yeah all right so uh yeah and that's the end of act two solid sun which leads us into act three third sun um uh which would will be in eastern europe so we're kind of going all over the world with this one at the briefing naomi has identified liquids uh liquid ocelot's location he's and they find out that he's trying to get big boss's corpse uh for for some reason um and on board uh with us on the nomad now because they saved him is riding and his condition is it's getting worse uh sunny slaps uh snake because he's always smoking so much he's just coughing like crazy yeah like uh, snake does not look well and snake really just 
everyone just treats him like shit. But he's a real asshole in this one, too. He's just bitter, too. Right? And again, like, this is, I think, people are saying this is the kind of meta thing is, like... Because you missed Donald. It's just like, fuck, I don't want to... Yeah, I got nothing here. You want it? Here he is. One last time. And he's an old, cranky piece of shit. I'm not uh, going to like playing as this guy. He's going to be old. He's going to have stress. He's going yep. to have to deal with all this shit. Yeah. And I think, yeah, I think when Sonny smacks those things out of his hands, the psyche meter goes down. So he's feeling low. So once in Eastern Europe, a snake is sent to find Big Mama. Uh, but he's got a wearing, he's wearing young snake's camo. So he does look young again. And you run into Meryl once more, and uh, she also makes you feel bad. Another uh, metaphorical kick in the junk, and the psyche takes a, a beating. Uh, you follow. I, I remember I loved the look of this level. Yeah. It reminded me of like it was all like foggy and at night and like Eastern Europe. It kind of had that kind of in Bruges kind of. Yeah. It made me feel like a very like a noir kind of like totally. Where 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 is where it's just like because he's wearing a lot of like a. Uh, a long coat too right like yeah. uh, a trench yeah. coat yeah and it, it felt very yeah it felt like it felt like you're like a spy in, yeah like, yeah in like a cold war yeah yeah for sure for sure which is you know this is not this isn't obviously not taking place during that time but this is the one that i think this act three oddly enough is kind of the one that feels the most snake eater ish kind of thing yeah. i mean obviously we're about to run into uh, an actual character from there um, but, uh, so you're following this resistance member through the dark seats until you, uh, yes, you meet, uh, big mama and reveals that she is actually Eva from snake eater and she's older, but she's still again, <laughs> got that, uh, got that midriff, uh, exposed. Cause that's what girls do in metal gear solid verse. Um, and, oh, here you, we learned that she was your surrogate mother, uh, and liquid. And we hadn't learned that before. And again, like, uh, people are wondering if these connections that are being made, it's a bit like what was happening with the prequels. Uh, and it's like, everything's connected. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's just like, just for the sake of being connected, you don't like, why, why does it have to be Eva? That's the surrogate mother. Like, mm -hmm. is there, like, is it because you, they want you to feel kind of more connected to her? Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. I, I, but I, like, I think it, it makes sense to, cause then she has more of an emotional attachment to the things that happen later. I'm okay with it in this case. And it makes sense that she would be the one to do it. Cause she would have been the one who would have known big boss the most mm -hmm. from the snake eater mission. Which, uh, which I, do, I, I like, I, I guess I, I, because we didn't really know what's going on before this, like you, you, because if you just straight up played snake eater before this, you're like, Oh, she, she, she betrayed them and just left. Right. So right. why is she, why, why should, would she be a, a part of them afterwards? Like, you mm -hmm. don't really know what was going on. Why was she a surrogate? And then eventually they kind of explain everything at the end, I think, right? Um, yeah, basically, yeah. <laughs> I explain a lot, I'm sure. Well, I'll, if I miss it, I miss it. Um, a lot of notes for this one. I think, <laughs> like, the, some of the other, like, it takes way longer to play through Metal Gear Solid V and finish it and to add, do some of the extra stuff. But I have way less notes because it's way less story-driven as this one is. Um, and I think, too, it's... For for what people... I mean, I think, to its detriment with this one, it's just too much. They're just packing too much uh, stuff in here. I'm still having a good time because right about here, we get this... Uh, we uh, When we're having to escape, because she wants... We got to go and get to this... Uh, the big boss before liquid does she reveals her old triumph motorcycle and you got to get in the the sidecar again and you're shooting from the back of her motorbike just like old times this is what i'm saying it feels like uh snake eater 
Um, at some point in here, I don't know when this happens, but you do have a raving, raging raven boss fight. I'm pretty sure that's in here somewhere. That's one that's flying around, and you've kind of got to shoot at her as well. And it's kind of the same thing. All of the here's I think the bosses in this, even though they're referenced to um, the Metal Gear Solid um, villains and yeah. uh, characters they're the they feel more obligatory that they have the names they have because the way they're connected aren't really like it feels more here it's just a reason to to give you somebody because in this case there's no because it's supposed to be like raging raven as reference yeah. to vulcan raven from the yeah. first one but there's no real connection between the two characters or why that they'd be showing up here at least i couldn't if there is one it's probably really long-winded and convoluted you know what i mean yeah I felt I felt like the bosses like I didn't really care about them. Yeah, uh, like they weren't interesting at all. No, no I um, agree. Just, just I like, mean they they'd be challenging uh, some more than others, but it just like it was just a, it was just kind of a arbitrary step. Yeah, uh, I, I, yeah, I'm I'm looking over the the the, the boss fight. Yeah, you're just you're basically just firing missiles that are yeah, running right. around on the on the, like a clock tower or something. A tower right, or something. right. Yeah, I remember it was it was tricky, but but yeah. So here where we we finally get to there's this first big extended cutscene and you you get to Big Boss's body first, um, but it's stolen by Liquid and he and he obtains the biometrics that he needs from it. Here's this extended cutscene as the United States soldiers arrive to arrest Liquid, but he kills them after disabling their firearms and then just like handgun sh shoots at them like -ta 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 -ta, and they all just die. Um, pretty crazy scene uh, because Big Boss's body is set on fire uh, uh, and Naomi has to leave with Liquid. Uh, Otacon is uh, tracking um, them as they leave and Eva basically, or it seems like she dies here. Um, yeah, this, uh, this cutscene was uh, one of the first really memorable one and that you yeah. really start to see that, that kind of Michael Bay quality that starts to come from this point forward yeah i i i this 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 one I, it was really memorable because i i i'm looking over it right now i think this whole cutscene this after killing the boss you're you're basically watching cutscenes for like over an hour yeah after this yeah. I, I i specifically remember this because i'm like i i i was like how long is this cutscene going on and and the and um there was a the, the scene where the american soldiers come and they're like they they bring out their guns and they're like that like they're like aiming their guns at them like 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 showing everyone aiming the gun for aiming 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 i'm like what's what's the what's the point of this like why why do you do why they kept doing keep on doing this and um there's a point where i was like i started getting a little bit tired of this i know i was like oh god and then even though um i i love milk solid i love the I love the characters and I love the world. I love the gameplay. Yep. But after this part, I was like, "Come on, why? Why are you? Why are you make me sit through this?" It felt after this point, I was like, I felt like I was just playing. Uh, I was barely playing a game. I was yep. just watching yep. a story. Yeah, but I, I like for me, I'm like I. I was like, yeah, this is this is a definite. Uh, uh, like he's going, he's throwing everything but the kitchen sink at everything here now. And um, I'm I'm okay with watching him kind of go full. I guess you'd call this baroque or rococo. I don't know what the classic the people who understand this type of art would call it. But so 
for somebody, if there's somebody at this point, as I said, I'm still a smitten kitten with Hideo. So if he's, yeah. I'm, I'm going to take all the warts at this point, but I totally understand. Yeah, because uh, for, for me, it's like, I play, I play, I play American Gear Solid games for like, well, for the story, but also like the, the gameplay. I love, I love the yeah. Yeah. around all that stuff. Yeah. And I, and it, it felt like a, for, for, especially at this part, like, it felt like a chore for yeah. me. Uh, especially after this after this part i was like i just want to play the game yeah i like you introduced a lot of cool stuff but mm-hmm. like it, it kept on going mm-hmm. and i'm like um and i was starting to get confused at this point oh yeah oh but, but i mean i mean yeah. no gears always kind of confused yeah, it's always confusing. this is but this is but this was so, like they're forcing you to watch it yeah. like constantly where there's not yeah. they're not like putting the story a right. little bit, little bit, little bit, little bit, like yeah. in spurts. It's like, because what, what makes that hour is not just the, the cutscene that we've seen, but it's, again, those briefings that follow yeah. at the end of each thing. And that's what we get here next to lead into Act 4, which is called Twin Sons, which is to be, take place at Shadow Moses Island. Uh, in this briefing, um, Mark II was on Liquid's boat, so you learn of his plan that he wants to take down the Patriots by destroying, destroying the core AI. But he needs a weapon capable of firing into space, so like to fire a nuke off. And Otacon realized they must want Metal Gear Rex because it has a rail gun. Metal Gear Rex, way back from Metal Gear Solid on, on Shadow Moses in Alaska. Um, Raiden wants to join them in the fight, but Sonny says he's not fully healed. He's just trying to get off that hospital bed. Uh, here, just before the, this thing starts up, this is a really great touch, a really fun touch. And this is that kind of fan service done right. I think this Act 4 is the most fan service done right uh, yeah. in this game i agree uh, with that yeah and here's where that gameplay uh that you're looking for really uh i think shows up for you too um uh oh yeah but before you land there you have a quick dream where you're on shadow moses but it's like the original ps1 graphics uh from oh the, yeah they game. throw that in though. yeah really cool uh, but then you wake up, and it, again, it is really cool going back there on the newer console. Everything looks awesome. And when you're walking around, you keep getting these little flashbacks. Uh, and eventually, uh, instead of Sniper Wolf, it's Crying Wolf shows up, and you have to defeat her. The same, exact same thing. Again, you, you, you kill her through, I think it's probably sniping this time. That would make sense. But yeah. you got to kill the hot lady again, and then you hear the terrible, traumatic, really graphic story from Drubbin. Yeah. Um you defeat her and you go to the underground base and uh, Vamp and Naomi are there again. It looks like they've already got there. The, I think the I think the rail gun is already gone. Um, you have a boss fight with Vamp. You have your 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 boss fight with Vamp. So this is the first time you fight him. Um, mm-hmm. Snake fights him, uh, and you have to inject him with something at the end. I remember I didn't know this first couple times. I had to look it up. That like can you beat him up and he just keeps getting back to 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 life. So it's after you've gone down to whatever you got to inject him with something that makes him mortal. Finally, I guess. And um, Raiden emerges just at this time, da, 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 uh, just as a whole buttload of geckos and a big bunch of mechas are showing up to fight you. So the, the I love this. And I know this is kind of seen as a um, polarizing uh, moment for Metal Gear Solid fans, but it cuts to a split screen for this entire boss fight and you can't control Raiden but he's having this crazy uh manga style anime style fight with with uh vamp while you're having to just uh fight off all of these um geckos and and uh and uh you know all these mechas coming at you um I love it I love this part here's where I'm like getting like yeah there's that uh kind of um adrenaline rush that I was getting from uh the other ones that he knows how to sprinkle in there but he's yeah. doing it differently here but like of course you can't watch 
the or pay attention to the the fight you want to ride and vamp right why are you doing this i want to see the ninjas I fighting i know this is the kind of thing that would be good if you actually had some but this is when i want this is when i do want my wife watching so it's just <laughs> you know like, look how cool this is um uh so yeah um it was really great um but uh he ends up killing vamp um and naomi apologizes to dead vamp and says that she has cancer this is a weird ass one of the weirdest scenes in, in all of metal gear and then injects herself to basically kill herself in the same spot the exact same spot where her brother gray fox oh, had died fox, yeah. that's pretty interesting uh but it's just weird that like her motivation we kind of learned a bit more but it's still kind of fucked up autocon reactivates rex with mark ii because a bunch more geckos are coming and so you've got to get in rex to escape because the whole thing is about to collapse so you've got to get in and drive metal gear rex so right away here we go kind of thing and you're fighting off these things again like it's more that like really fun gameplay and then as you get out there you run into as controlled by liquid ocelot metal gear ray so it's a, a fight with you as rex against metal gear ray and here's that here's that michael bay stuff done right right where it's like that these two giant ass robots and for a game that's called metal gear the actual metal gears don't you don't show up that often in these like it's always just this thing that kind of hovers over everything right but here you finally get it like two metal gears involved in a in a battle and such a good time such a blast um but this leads to uh like crazy ass uh cutscene where liquid escapes and he runs towards a pier laughing at snake as he's chasing him because snake is hurt his snake's got like one arm isn't working one leg is kind of toast too and all of a sudden from out of the ocean this is what what is what we know as outer haven uh, oh yes it's like this massive tanker like ship an arsenal gear model warship and actually has uh, on the side of it people call mount snakemore which is like carved into the side of the ship with the four different snakes big boss liquid snake and and solidus i guess which is just so bizarre um the snake tries to shoot at liquid who now has rex's rail gun uh arm and uh but what but yeah snake's arm is, is too hurt to aim so he can't get him so liquid tells haven to drive into the pier and it is just like drive just drive that just hoping to kill snake but Raiden emerges again. He's lost an arm, but he stands in front of the giant warship to just save Snake. Like he's able to stop it. Like that's how strong this 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 cyborg is. Um, but he's eventually crushed in quotation marks. Yeah. Um, and and he drowns in the water, saying "Rose" as he dies, because uh, he remembers some of the conversations he had with his his wife, who he still clearly has some feelings for. It's the last person he thought of as he again dies in quotation marks. Um, and outer, but finally outer Haven, just before it's about to kill snake again, it has to retreat because the USS Missouri shows up piloted by Mei Ling, who we haven't seen since solid or Metal Gear Solid one. She was just the person who you'd, you'd save with. Right. I think, <laughs> but yeah, and she uh, tells you a lot of good proverbs. I, she does. I, she sure. does. That's yeah. right. That's right. Uh, she's just the sweetest. She's the one, she feels like the most hundred percent pure character in Metal Gear Solid and everyone's got these gray areas, you know? Yeah, she's supposed to like pick you up uh, yeah. when you're when you're having a bad time saving constantly because you That's don't know right. what you're doing. That's right. Yeah. So uh, she shows up and is, is shooting at them, and they pick up. Uh, so yeah, on the Missouri, they pick up Snake and Raiden, and that ends Act Four. Yeah, like really, this is when I'm like, whoo, boy! Like at this point, like I don't 
for whatever they had with pacing and the weird kind of stuff before, at this point, I'm like, I'm all in now, man. And I'm loving those extended cutscenes mixed in with the uh, 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 gameplay. You know what I mean? Yeah, I, I this was my favorite. Like, uh, um, this was my favorite part of, of the the whole game. Yeah. Um, just because I, I I'm a I'm a huge fan of the first one, and it just it's, the nostalgia kick is really good. Yeah. And it's just also because it just it also makes me kind of sad. I'm like, oh man, I wish Kojima made a, a mech mech fighting game. Like oh, yeah. like just well, with, just with Zone of the Enders is is yeah. Better, I remember but... he yeah uh, yeah he he. I, does he make the, those games or does he produce them? I forgot uh, exactly how it works. Good question. Because I used to, I, I used to actually play Zone Avengers. Uh, Zone. I have Zone the Avengers HD really collection, and now it doesn't really say on here, but I remember it says a Hideo Kojima game in the um when it co comes up, and it's got you got your Fox. So yeah, I don't know how much he writes. Um, Zone of the Enders Two is is actually really good. Yeah, um, I remember playing playing those. I I like those games too, but he didn't make them. I, I, he he stopped making them a long time ago. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, the first one sold really well just because it had the Metal Gear Solid Two uh, uh, demo on it, right? All right, but that yeah, leads yeah. us into Act Five. Unless you got anything else you want to say about Act Four? Um, uh, other than it was, it kind of it kind of brought me back after yeah. that. Like, yeah. I I feel like because they're like, oh, okay, you 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 sat through this hour of stuff. We'll give you some cool 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 stuff to like yeah. to play through and like oh you're gonna love this part. Yeah. But uh, again, I feel like even like talking about this up to this point, I'm like I barely played anything. I felt like mm -hmm. uh, I, like I felt like I was just watching a movie. And uh, like I understand why a lot of people liked it and why it was necessary to a certain point for Kojima because it was his lot. He needed to tie everything up. Yeah. Well. Uh, yeah that was I, the I, idea I, that's I, the I, idea yeah. right and in a way this does because the two games that come after this are from yeah. earlier in the in the time so this is the end of solid snake saga for sure um which is act five which is called old sun uh so snake Marilyn, and johnny are aboard uh, they board haven after a briefing where it's revealed that snake has to upload a worm cluster to the ship's ai I love this act too. I love that the last two acts in this. I really, really like even because even if there's not as much uh, gameplay, uh, it gets a lot more difficult. Uh, I think yeah. too. Um, um, Drebin has provided them with guns. He's like, as a sign of good faith, here you guys can have access to all the the things you need. You don't whatever. So that's good. Uh, there's tons of geckos and troopers on the deck. Enter a big control room. Uh, up until this point, yeah, I remember it's really difficult to get there. Lots of geckos and stuff. But here we get this boss fight with screaming mantis which is meant to be the psycho mantis uh yeah. one and this was challenging as well but it doesn't have any of the didn't have the charm of the of the first one like they throw in a in a hideo like video thing there but it just felt yeah. arbitrary they, they, they did the marrow they had marrow in there too where mm -hmm. she's controlling marrow again right yeah. right yeah yeah um so the only really real meta part is hideo seemingly kind of steps in and kind of deus ex machina Mant mantis forever kind of takes him like it's kind of like what who's removing me and which is kind of a neat touch to say that that's all it ever was is him just like mantis is just there to kind of create this mystery as to why these things are being controlled and things are to keep things moving and so it's like okay well i was just I was a trope, basically, is what kind of what he's saying here. Because he gets cut off by, they call it God, right? Hideo Kojima is always referred to as God in these games. Like, cause he's, he's never, he's never modest when it, when it, when he ref self refers to himself in these games. Yeah. Um, here's where the really extended cutscenes. This is like 90 minutes here mixed in with a little bit of action or a little bit of gameplay. 
Um, here's like probably maybe my least favorite part of the game. I may have already said that about something else, but Marilyn Johnny come to help you. And there's an extended Mr. And Mrs. Smith type flirtations between the two of them that just does not fit in tonally with anything up to that point. And and it's always kind of like, dude, aren't you the diarrhea guy? Like it's so, it's so dumb. It goes on for a while. I know there's not many Metal Gear Solid fans who, who i've never heard anyone champion this scene and this really does just feel like yeah uh hideo just kind of rubbing your face in it on the way out um uh but uh, he's like oh you want more of this this is good you want me to fill in more of the blanks here i'm gonna do it this way um yeah anyway so snake is surrounded but raiden shows up again he's still alive and this time but now he's got no arms <laughs> and he has to use his feet to use this sword just another crazy ass scene um, but as he's doing this, uh, Snake uh, kind of has to do his last thing, and Snake's just falling apart. He has to crawl through this microwave corridor to kind of get to where he has to do the, upload this virus. And here, you are just pounding the shit out of your your circle button to just where he's just kind of crawling, army crawl through this this thing that's just taking the life out of him. And you see, like the first time you play, your life gets down to a sliver right away. I'm like, I'm not going to make this. I'm going to have to do this again. I've been pounding the hell out of this thing and I'm going to have to do it again. And I think they do that on purpose is to really make you just push to the end there uh, because you do. And it really, after all these games, I love that. I love when he does stuff like that where you've done so much right and where it's had so much i love when he i like just that idea and it goes back to metal gear 2 how you've got all this technical warfare and like technological advancement and stuff but he's able to beat him with a a can of hairspray and a lighter right and now you've had to do all these different things and get these different weapons and lock on and you know do all these different stealthy missions and things and now you just got to pound the shit out of that thing to get through this for your final thing is like your old your old ass snake um it's really great and he somehow makes it through and he uploads the virus and all the geckos and the soldiers stop fighting uh, but video of Naomi comes up and she says how they prevented Fox Dive from reaching several populations and apologizes. Uh, Snake collapses into unconsciousness. Uh, and this is great. Uh, but Liquid Origin has found him and dragged him, or Liquid Origin, Liquid Octopus, Liquid Ocelot has found Snake and dragged him up to the top of Outer ha- Haven, says everything went how he wanted it to, I guess, and challenges Snake to one more fight. And Snake is just a mess, but but he injects Snake with some super serum that gives him a bunch of life. And they come to life and they, they get into this, like you see, like really famously, he's like, liquid, screaming. And they get into, they start their fight. And it's an ongoing battle that goes on for about seven or eight minutes where you're watching a cinematic. And you're like, this is fucking awesome. But I'm, but I'm feeling like, I kind of want to be doing the fighting here. This, this yeah. is, you're building up to this. Let me do this. And then after they've done it for a couple of times, they just, that gets to a moment where they, 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 they're, they're kind of headbutting each other and they're kind of leaning up against each other. And as they do this kind of two vials of these other injection needles step out and get fall out of their, their, their pockets and they look down at it and they look down at each other and they reach down and they stab each other into the neck. And as they do, you see the life meters fill up on the top of the screen and it's like, here we go. And it's just one last fist fight with these guys with their shirts off, just like the end of Metal Gear Solid. Only this time, they, they keep changing the um, the music as it goes, and you're having to use different types of CQC. So it's like he's giving he's doing a victory lap here kind of thing, and kind of really hitting you with that the nostalgia here. Um, it's so awesome. Yeah. And, and after he loses, the liquid persona disappears, and it, it turns out he wasn't it wasn't the arm after all. He was just and, hypnotized. Yeah, this part. And then, and then it comes back again in the next game, uh, like 
this, yeah. this, 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 I guess it's like a psychotherapy thing that yeah. make you think right. something else. Right, about. right, yeah. So that's all it was, but whatever. But just before he dives or dies, he gives one more, you're pretty good, like uh, uh, Revolver did in Three a Lot and does the hand movement and dies. Uh, just a killer scene among the among the best of the series, for sure. I felt like this was the part, hardest part of the game for me. Yeah, like yeah. fighting him, fighting him, because I, I, I just kept on making mistakes. I'm like, he, he like, yeah, he, he kills you in like three hits. I, I, I like I think, three, four hits. Well, especially if you're playing the harder version. Yeah, um, yeah. Was... Um, yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, because it's because it's not a fighting game. Like you have your CQC, and it's better in this game. That's the thing that keeps getting better is a CQC that close mm. quarters combat. Um, but the, you you never have to just get into a fist fight. So yeah, I yeah, get it. yeah. Like, you can go through the whole game without doing this, and then yeah. you're like, oh, what? I'm yeah. fighting fist fighting. Yeah. So I, what I like about this too is like Liquid changes his fighting stance. I think right, right, he, right. He, he's changing from liquid to liquid ocelot to ocelot again to right? revolver like, ocelot yeah in the different stages through. yeah it's yeah. really cool and even your um your life meter changes to match the way it looked in the other games too in the previous oh, games it's that. all these little touches it's so yeah. cool to go with the music you hear snake eater one more time yeah. really good time but so i guess it turns out that fox alive will end up making us more free than before so whatever or fox alive yeah this new thing that was created by uh, uh, Sunny, and as uh, I think we learned a little bit more about it on the way out, um, because that's kind of the end here. Um, but then it goes to an epilogue, which is Naked Sin or Naked Son. Uh, Meryl and Johnny are getting married at an airfield, and she's kind of reconciled with her dad, uh, who is Colonel Campbell. Like they were always had, they had their soap opera stuff throughout this. Otacon, Sunny, Mei Lang, and a few of the the Rat Squad of Meryl's crew are there. Drebin shows up with his monkey and a, and a bunch of flowers. Um, and he tells Otacon, who's there, that he was actually working for the Patriots this whole time, uh, which is that's why he was able to, to get them the guns because, you know, help them play their parts or whatever. But he's happy to not be working for them anymore. Um, Sonny makes a friend, some kid who's around there, and she shares the Mark II with him and asks Otacon where Snake is. And Otacon cries a bit and tells her that Snake is sick and he needs to rest. And it mm. cuts to, oh, we get a bit of here. We get, I like, here's, I really like this bow at the end here. We get riding in a hospital. He's been all kind of patched up because they're just putting him back together with whatever tech they have. Yeah. And Rose enters with who we learn is their kid who wasn't actually miscarried. Like she said at the end, she had to, uh, said that her mis her marriage and miscarriage, uh, her marriage to Campbell and the miscarriage were actually a ruse to trick the Patriots. It's a really sweet scene and a nice farewell for Ryden. I really liked it. But then uh, from there, we cut to Snake visiting the grave of Big Boss. And like he knows that he's got he's to gotta off himself because it's the end here. If he doesn't, then then he's going to infect the rest of the thing. So he just puts a gun in his mouth. like, And it is just like dark as fuck. I'm like, yeah. Jesus Christ. Camera pans up to, the, to the, the sky. Gunshot. Bang. And credits start rolling. I'm like, oh my God. I already kind of knew that there was more coming here. But I'm like, did I do something wrong? Did I forget? Yeah, like, did I miss something? Because I knew good ending. Yeah, but so as they're going to the the end credits, it starts to feel like it's the end. Uh, you see the voice credits, and among them, it's like Snake, David Hater. But then you see Big Boss, voiced by this person. You're like, what? And it freezes there, and you get one final scene, and Big Boss is alive. I get goosebumps just talking about it, man. Uh, and he rolls in there with a vegetative zero, uh, from who we remember from way back when. It's zero. Wow, what an interesting character that guy is. But he says, Snake poses, poses no threat to the world. 
with his fox die. It's actually, he's not going to die. He's not going to hurt people. But he also says the, the world no longer needs snake. Um, uh, oh, he reveals that. Oh, yeah. He said the body that was burned in Europe was actually Solidus. So that's the way they tie him into this all at, at the end here. That makes sense. Um, he said he reveals he started the Patriots, a whole bunch of other stuff. He kills Zero. He just unhooks him because like this, like, this is, this is like the kind of start of all of this. Once I get rid of him, then there's no kind of link to what would keep all this going because him and zero and big boss just misinterpreted they both had interpretations of what the boss's legacy was right and they and uh, so they kind of became these rivals through all of this behind the scenes um but uh, he says to to snake after he does this he poses no threat and uh, he says uh the world no longer needs snakes and he died has to be taken to the boss's grave and dies next to it and yeah, this is it. Snake decides to live the rest of the time he's left with Otacon and Sunny, and that's it. Phew! Like that's kind of what comes after the end credits. Yeah. That is yes, yeah. And so this is famously, I think, Guinness Book of World Records' longest video game cutscene uh, is in the is in the, the the end of this. Yeah, I think so too. Yeah, it's it's just oh god, it, it, it's long, it's long. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, um, but like I said, I still it's still an amazing game. You st- I yeah. still get why, like, again, and all of his games, none of his games are, are, I think the one that's the most perfect is probably Snake Eater, yeah. where, or the least flawed, I guess. But uh, this one has some, some pretty big ones. It's the one that I'm not really drawn to go back and play now that I've gone through and seen all the story. I'd go back and watch some of these cutscenes again. Um, and, and, the, and the Rex Ray fight would be fun, but that's a long walk, right? Yeah. So yeah. So the thing about the other games is you you, you can go back and play them. Yeah. Uh, this one, there's absolutely no reason why you want to no, go and play so. this one again. Other than there is a that this is where the first game that had Metal Gear Solid Online that's been replaced by the version for Metal Gear Solid V. But I think that there's some private ser- Sony doesn't keep the servers up, but there's private servers because because people are still devoted to the to that like there's it still has a you know talk about a niche of a niche right yeah. like is that there's a new version of metal gear solid online but some people still like the metal gear solid 4 version mm. i never i've never played any of the online i, I haven't too but I, I heard yeah i heard that they're the people like it really like it mm-hmm. I, th- I thought they, they they had the online one for uh metal gear solid 3 um uh, uh, peace walker was a peace walker i forgot i think there is something for well peace walker you can do it's not quite there are online things you can play with partners at the same time on different levels okay. and things like that. I think that's the way it works. Um, I was never able to, but um, so should we move on from four here now? Like I like I totally understand. Like I said, it's still amazing. It's amazing. It's such a, an experience. I just it's out of all these six, it's the one that I'm uh, least revving to go back and play. Yeah, I I, I still I still really like the game, mm-hmm. like because. It's still the the, the the Metal Gear Solid game. It's still it introduces new things. It's still fun, and of course, you're still you're, you're still invested in the characters and the story. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, no, no matter how ridiculous and, it gets. And ultimately, yes, because yes, big time invested. And ultimately, for all of the of how it's bloated and got a little too much, I am happy with the way they kind of tied all the loose ends. Yeah. The way it ends up being tied up in the end. The last two acts like saves the game. Uh, I yeah, feel like, for right? sure. If they didn't have those last two acts, uh, of course, uh, th- this game would be kind of boring. Because like mm-hmm. the first two acts were like I didn't really remember much of it. Yeah. I, all I remember is riding coming in. Like the, uh, I remember like right. uh, um, 
like you said, uh, liquid stopping yeah. the soldiers. It's like, just that's a little like... more soulless than yeah. it gets by the by the end. There, the fun factor kicks in, and, and yeah. you start to get the heart and the and the weirdness and the silly yeah. melodrama that we love so much. Yeah. All I, right. I, I, in the end, it's still it's still got a place in my heart. Like I, I'll I I still had I have fond memories of it, and, yeah. and I still remember it. Like it, it still it had a lasting impact. Yeah. Uh, they kept me still like wanting to play any Metal Gear game that comes yeah. out. Oh yeah. Yeah. Cool. Right on. So that brings us to uh, the Metal Gear Solid game that you have not played. So I should be able to get us through this one a little quicker here. Okay. Uh, Metal Gear Solid Peace Walker, also Hideo Kojima. Um, so this I was able to play because I have it on the, the uh, it's on the HD collection that I got for the PS3. So it's remastered a, a bit because it was originally put uh, released April 29th, 2010 for the PSP. Yeah. Um, and so a lot of, even though this came out after Metal Gear Solid 4, it is, doesn't look as good, of course. It sold 1.99 million copies, 89 out of 100 on Metacritic. He always scores well, obviously. Yeah. Um, would later be, the, as I said, the third game on the HD collection. It's a direct sequel to Snake Eater um, because technically there's a one that came in in between here called Portable Ops that is not considered yeah, yeah. canon that uh, uh, I guess Hideo has been kind of wishy-washy on about what really happened and what, because a lot of stuff that happens in both Peace Walker and V kind of contradicts uh, some of the stuff that happened in Portable Ops, so I'm told. I've never played it, because uh, I don't know if it's available if you don't have a PSP. I don't know. I've never really looked into it. Um, um, yeah, um, let's, let's see. The story is set up in missions, in individual missions for the first time. Um, the cutscenes are drawings, uh, but really good drawings. The drawings that are kind of in the style of, I wish I had the name of that. I'll, I'll say it. I'll say the name of the, 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 the artists who is kind of known for doing the cover art and a lot of the artwork for these, uh, the Metal Gear games. Um, so it kind of has that style. It's not exactly him, but I, I really like it. It's really cool. It's a different from the other it, ones, obviously. It's not, it's like the wisp, wispy kind of yep. uh, book, yep. right? Yeah. Yeah. They almost look unfinished. They almost look like yeah. sketches, but it's great. I really like it. And like subtle uses of color. Uh, and it's the first time you can crouch walk. Yay. Uh, there's, there's also introduction of tapes instead of codec. And it's the first time you can Fulton, um, uh, your, your enemies. Like, so if you tranquilize them, you can hook up these little, uh, balloons that'll suck you up, suck them up and it can take you to your, uh, mother base that you're developing. That's a, a big thing here that happens. So story begins November 4th, 1974. Big boss is running his own mercenary unit, Militaire Sans Frontieres. Have you seen... Yeah, have you noticed they all have, um, all of his units have like badges and logos and stuff. The the Militaire Sans Frontieres logo is the best one of the bunch. It looks the most legit. I would, I, I would consider wearing it and, and, uh, and, you know, people wouldn't think you're a dorky gamer. Uh, it's on the Colombian coast. Uh, so it starts with a prologue. This is split up into five chapters, a prologue and five chapters. Um, and each one, each one of these has anywhere from three to seven missions in each of these chapters. Um, so with the prologue, which is called An Army Without Borders, they are, are approached by Ramon Galvez Mena from the University of Peace. I'm like, what? The University of Peace? Like I know, I was talking last last week, uh, or last episode, how sometimes he'll use real organizations and sometimes you know it's something that's made up. But I looked it up. University of Peace is a real place in Costa Rica. It's pretty cool, actually. I, I it's it, it's not as big as you'd think, but it's something that that's what they want to do. They want to look for they study, and there are places all over the world actually where they try to find ways to create peace. 
Um, he wants to hire MSF, Militaire Sans Frontier, if I say that again, that's what I mean, to investigate an army in Costa Rica. Um, Snake says no, but pause, oh boy, this girl, this girl, who we're initially told is 16, plays a tape that has the boss's voice on it. Um, and all of a sudden, Big Boss is like, what? My, my old uh, mentor is still alive. So he agrees to take the mission. Um, and he tells Kaz, this guy, who Kazahira Miller, who you know from Metal Gear Solid 5. This is where you really, well, we know him from Metal Gear Solid 1 because it's who Liquid is posing as. But in this one, man, he's, he's the coolest dude around. We'll get to him in a bit. Um, uh, six days later, you infiltrate the area in Costa Rica and you learn that this is the real inciting incident here. And this is what wraps up the prologue. You learn that nuclear weapons are being shipped across the country so this is kind of meant to t fill into that time when the um in the terms of historical fiction when it's closer later in the in the cold war where the cuban missile crisis type things happen. that's what this kind of really has a vibe uh of and uh so it, that leads us into chapter one a country without an army and so for what he had just taken on is just kind of like this mercenaries for hire thing and it's just going to be another job all of a sudden it's way more serious right uh so uh yeah, uh, so we, we, I want to say you're working with Kazuhira Miller. And in this one, he looks like, and this you want to talk about different tones. So we've gone from Michael Bay to this. So the actual gameplay still feels like, it feels a bit more like Snake Eater because you're more outside and you're more in like the jungle and places like this. But when you cut to the, the stuff on set and you listen to the tapes and you see the drawing and the artwork of everyone, especially someone like Kaz, it, they almost look like more, way more uh, kind of cartoony. Like, like he looks like he'd be in like the Scooby gang, like here, right? You know what I mean? Like he's got this yellow scarf and he's, it's like, you know, the seventies. Yeah, man, we're going to do this, bro. My name means peace. Just like you, Paz. Like he's just, he's a really fun dude. It's, it's interesting to see him in this and the tone of this game overall as to what comes next, man. They're like that. These games, there are none of these, no two of these games are alike in terms of like the general feeling of the games. I think the closest is Metal Gear Solid 1 and 2 because, but that's meant to be deliberate. You're meant to feel like you're playing through Metal Gear Solid in parts of it, but it, get, it goes off in a completely different direction too, right? This one is really pulpy and it goes, again, it feels like an old spy novel from the 70s in the Cold War. And uh, this character fits right in. Like he's 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 hip. He's got those sunglasses, but he's like kind of more s swinging fun dude. Um, so you follow the leads uh, in this chapter one, a country without an army, to find uh, the first your main villain, whose name is Hot Cold Man. <laughs> so, which is again like one of those names, like you know, in the new uh, Death Stranding, there's a character named Die Hard Man. Yeah, Die Hard Man. <laughs> Have you played that yet? By the way, I played a little bit of it. Yeah, it's yeah. Yeah, I know. I want to dig into it more. I can tell I will once once I've got this out of my system. Um, he's a senior CIA agent and says he wants to find a nuke as part of a project called Peace Walker. Uh, he wants to fire a nuke, pardon me, as part of a project called Peace Walker, a, nuke, a big nuclear tank they've been working on. And Snake reveals himself to Huey Emmerich. Um, this is Hal's father. First time we've seen, we've met him in the series. One of Peace Walker's designers to help him stop Coleman from launching this nuke. Huey tells Snake there's a big tank with an AI pod unmanned called Poopa. They're like uh, Pupa, I guess, because they're all like, there's Poopa, Cocoon, and all these different levels. There's no superheroes in this. You're only, your boss fights are just against these different kind of tank 
different kind of AI tanks, right? So that's like kind of Metal Gear light until you actually do face a Metal Gear at the end. Um, and again, these are all individual missions where part of the story, um, the, the smaller parts move through um, tapes that you listen to, whether it's from Paz or from you're going to rescue another kid named Chico and another uh, woman named Amanda and a French woman named Cecile. And they're all going to give you these little tips along the way that you would have been getting from different people on Codex. But you can only do it in between missions. So it's different like that. Um, but as you're going, it's the other thing I should mention is you're building up your base and getting more soldiers. That's what the Fulton does, right? And this is something that would, this is something that would definitely carry over into the next game and I think be improved upon. Um, Snake goes deeper into Costa Rica. You discover that, uh, oh, sorry. Um, Huey, part. Huey tells Snake there's a big tank, they got a, big, a poop and you have this first big boss fight. And then Huey tells Snake to look for the other Peace Walker developer. A woman named Dr. Strangelove, uh, who again shows up in the, in the next game, or kind of does. Uh, this takes us to Chapter 2, The Phantom Hero. Snake goes deeper into Costa Rica and you discover that Strangelove based uh, Peace Walker's con control system on the boss's personality. That's why you were hearing her voice before in that tape. Um, I think we learned later that they had a relationship. Um, on the way, you meet a French woman named Cecile, who's a bird watcher, and she joins you. That's what I was talking about. Um, Strangelove gets you, this is after you've battled the, uh, Chrysalis, another one of those big, um, uh, mechas, um, and Strangelove tortures you and wants, wants you to know if the boss really defected to the Soviet Union, because of, of course you know that she, she, uh, didn't, and that, that was all a front kind of thing, but she's wanting to get that information out of you, because she had this relationship with her, probably, and really wants to get to it, but after all this, Snake begins to doubt the boss's real intentions, this, this, this mentor of his, this like mother figure who uh, is, is suddenly, uh, it's kind of been what gives him drive, right? Is suddenly, he's suddenly facing doubt uh, and feeling doubt about it. Uh, and But somehow the boss's old horse shows up. Have you heard about this scene, uh, Kevin? Oh, no. or, or, or Jason? Uh, the old horse, like her old horse shows up and Snake is able to escape from the torture uh, uh, on this horse. And, and, um, and uh, you get to a quarry and fight another big AI tank called the Cocoon and shrapnel from it, uh, uh, you defeating it, allows you to enter the base and eventually Peace Walker emerges. Here you have a really big, like this is one of the toughest boss battles I think, against Peace Walker here, but it gets away and you've got to hop on the boss's horse who's come back to you and returns for you. So you've got to chase after, and this is a really great scene that's done again in that, uh, that animation style where you're chasing after it. You're basically going straight up a cliff and the, and the horse can't follow it anymore and it falls down and it's like leg is twitching and you have to shoot it. And as you're about to shoot the horse, it does like a total flashback to when you had to shoot the boss. It's like the same feeling. So he's still, he hasn't, he hasn't come to terms with her death yet. You know what I mean? Like it's still fucking him up. He's got a, a scar on his chest now that matches hers that he doesn't have in the later game. So it's like he's self-mutilated himself to do this. It's a, it's all, even though it's presented in this this kind of pulpy kind of comic book way that that we didn't have before, the underlying stuff is is pretty heavy. Um, it's a real uh, interesting character study. Um, uh, so yeah, the, uh, the, uh, the Peace Walker crosses the real San Juan and Huey tells you that the Peace Walker is going to launch that as two, there's two days to prep. So you're going to have to get there. This is, at, this is the end of Chapter 3, A Nation Reborn, which is just into Chapter 4, The Illusion of Peace. 
you chase down Hot Coldman, who reveals the purpose of Peace Walker, which is deterrence. Uh, or no, he says deterrence is a, a flawed theory uh, with, with nuclear deterrence. You know the idea of nuclear deterrence? That if, that as long, like it's good if, if, if the idea is it's good if uh, nuclear powers have nuclear weapons because the second one of them fires, the other one knows that the other one has enough time to know, okay, it's coming to your, it's aimed and coming to your country. You have time to fire it as well. So it's this mutually assured destruction, right? That's yeah. the basis of deterrence. So Coleman believes like if we have an AI, then there's not a chance that some humans gonna gonna have second chances, right? So if we have, this is gonna like definitely uh, create deterrence where there's there's not a hundred percent chance of that. That's his kind of mad genius idea here, right? Um, uh, ba -ba -ba. Yeah. So he says uh, Peace Walker fixes the flawed theory that exists. So he says he will fire a warhead to prove it. Uh, and the facility is hijacked by Soviet soldiers led by Galvez from earlier, who is actually Dr. Zardanov, who wants to steal Peace Walker from the Soviet Union. So this is like that textbook uh, um, plot twist. And the MSF shows up, Militaire Sans France, uh, Frontières, because uh, you've been building up an army and they allow, they feed you time to fight off this, this big army that has just shown up here for you to just uh, fight you one-on-one -on -one last battle with Peace Walker. Or so you think. And in the aftermath of the battle, Sardanov is captured and Cold uh, Mar uh, Coldman is mortally wounded. Oh, he has a red arm. It should mention. I should mention red artificial arm that kind of is echoed in the next game too. Um, but he actually, but he before he is he's mortally wounded, has died. He activates Peace Walker's data uplink, convincing NORAD that you, the United States is about to be hit by a nuclear strike. So Snake contacts NORAD to stand to tell them to stand down, but they refuse. It's like totally nuts. And and they're just looking at this Peace Walker thing that has the boss's AI in it. And the boss's AI just takes control of the Peace Walker and it just gently walks into the water and drowns itself, which mm -hmm. ends the threat. It's a fucking awesome moment, man. It's like heavy. Like after all this stuff, and it's like her basically her spirit saves the day, kind of thing. This one. You know, she's like kind of the heart of this thing. Part of part of what makes her character as great as it is is that she's such a mysterious, uh, such a mystery and enigma. But and the way that, but she just hovers over this whole thing. She's such an interesting character, the boss, right? Uh, so that kind of feels like it's the end, and it 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 feels it kind of they kind of present it to you like it's the end. And, but then you have to do a bunch of side ops to reveal. Uh, oh, I should also mention you've been developing. Yeah, this is the end of Peace Walker. But as you've been developing your base and getting all these um uh soldiers and things like that you've also and when you're defeating these 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 big uh robots uh tank things you're getting things to develop your own metal gear zeke to have your own metal gear um and uh you find out that zardanov has escaped all right and so you'll escape and you have to bring him back and there's nothing for you to do so you'll just have to keep doing side ops and then he escapes again and you find him and you bring him back and again, it's nothing to do. This keeps going on and on and on and on until Zardanov escapes six times. And each time, each time causes like, boss, you're not going to fucking believe this. <laughs> and it's just like, are you sure he's not getting some help? Like that's, that's what they eventually, like they're saying, like somebody has to be helping him out to do this. And eventually you learn this whole time. It was pause. The girl you thought was 16. She's actually 23 which actually makes a lot of stuff from the better uh, earlier, a lot e easier to swallow and stuff that's going to come easier to swallow. Um, and 
she has taken control of the Metal Gear Zeke. And for some reason, she's entirely in her underwear. And remember I said, so and it's just totally like, what the hell? She's inside there and just like this cute little frilly bra and panties. And remember I said, I, I always am happy that my wife isn't walking in. She walked in at that moment. <laughs> so, so she did get to see that. And it was great. Like she knows I've told her about how nuts these games are. And she just gave a really good, what? Uh, oh, I should mention uh, the music in this. There's two. There's one really good song. The Peace Walker theme is great, but there's also a song by Donna Burke uh, called Heavens Collide that showed up earlier. And then finally, for this last battle, which makes no sense because it's in the 70s, it's this really uh, high tempo J pop song. I don't know the name of it off the top of my head, but it fits it for whatever reason. It fits the madness because this girl totally, she has a look of like a total almost kind of Hirajuku girl, but with blonde hair. She's in a schoolgirl outfit kind of thing. So it kind of fits that they finish with this thing. Um, this is a really great um, boss fight. Um, uh, and she works for Zero. She, she says she's been working for Zero's organization, Cypher. This is the first time you hear that name, Cypher, in the whole series, which is interesting. Uh, and she threatens to launch a nuke of the United States. So you have a final battle against her in Zeke, Metal Gear Zeke, uh, which ends up throwing her into the ocean. Uh, and in the aftermath, Snake uh, reconciles with his memory of the boss and finally accepts the title of Big Boss and uh, rallies his soldiers. Um, I do want to say, before I say, uh, uh, Kaz tells him that he knew all along that, that Paz was working for Cypher. So he's like, what's that, Kaz? Like, he's totally like, are you fucking, like, yeah, I've been I've been fucked over so many times. Like, he's like, don't worry, like, I did it for the good reasons because we're all kind of got us to where we are here now kind of thing. And you're going to start because we're all about to start living in outer heaven. And it goes through the end credits. And dude, I did. I only did one drop last episode. I don't like to do too many drops, but I will do the post the the drops for the post credit voiceover here. And this is the because uh, there's been a lot of emotional moments in this series. This is the only moment that actually made me cry. Is the the voiceover where he's talking to the soldiers about what's to come, kind of thing. And like he's like, this will be this will be our outer heaven, kind of thing. Um. And you can see he's losing his mind. We will forsake our countries. We will leave our motherlands behind us and become one with this earth. We have no nation, no philosophy, no ideology. We go where we're needed, fighting not for country, not for government, but for ourselves. We need no reason to fight. We fight because we are needed. We will be the deterrent for those with no other recourse. We are soldiers without borders, our purpose defined by the era we live in. We will sometimes have to sell ourselves and services. If the times demand it, we'll be revolutionaries, criminals, terrorists, and yes, we may all be headed straight to hell, but what better place for us than this? It is our only home, our heaven, and our hell. This is our heaven. And he's getting more, it's subtle, but he's, 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 our hero is becoming more of the villain that we know he eventually becomes, right? And it's just enough to leave you with that kind of like, um, yeah. So that's Peace Walker. Um, uh, like I said, it has, I, I, I like it more than four. Um, 
um, even though it's it's not as pretty. And the gameplay in some ways is not as... Because you're limited to what was originally um, portable controls, it's not as solid and as tight as uh, 4. But I love that that story. That story is, is just as tight as as snake eater um mm. with with some weird little things that you have to do just because of the mission uh things and stuff um so i recommend that you give it a shot man. yeah i'll probably i'll probably try uh, check it out I, I was watching uh uh the, the uh vi- a video while you're talking about the peace walker the movie that yeah the the style of the of the comics yeah it's it's, it, it, it works really well I know, and you think that, like, you'd think that after I'd played like these four games, we're actually getting these real cutscenes that are looking nicer and nicer. That this would feel, make it feel like more of a minor piece or like a minor entry. But this feels just as important a story, um, as as uh, some of the other ones in this whole saga, right? This is like the this is like part two of the of the big boss saga, basically yeah. of that kind of the, the prequel trilogy. Kojima just like no matter what he just needs to try different things. Yep. He, like he, no matter what. Yeah. Uh, and when he gets free reign, he does something like well, Death Stranding. But yeah. <laughs> well, hey man, and and I think like you're hearing, I I know like mixed reviews and people are like oh it's boring AF at the beginning. You're just walking. No, it's, it's still it's I still no I I watch people play it and I yeah. played a little bit of it. It's still a, it's still an amazing game. Like, yeah. I know. Technically, it's like technical wise is amazing, and the yeah. story is actually pretty good. And the music like, is so yeah. good, man. Yeah. That that um low roar, that band, is so good. Um, but I like I I can tell that I, I'm sure eventually for whatever like the emotional I hear I hear it just really hits some big things about connecting, and I guess in this in our day oh, and death, age, yeah. yeah, and I hear it's like really weirdly prophetic in a way that because uh, it's about a, a delivery guy who has to pee in the bottles when everybody nobody can leave their houses, right? Yeah, which is which yeah, it was very fitting for what was coming with our yeah. COVID, but yeah. yeah. All right, so that brings us. To the last Metal Gear Solid game by Hideo it looks like it's, It looks like it's going to be because uh, Konami is just they just yeah because that's care about video games and that's games. what we really got to talk about on uh, before we get into this is because this comes at a time when uh, yeah uh, as we'll see things kind of get out of hand behind the scenes and uh, eventually this uh, especially for the well, this is two games, kind of, because of uh, what happens here. Um, but, uh, yeah, uh, Hideo Kojima and Konami don't get along anymore. No. That being said, like, they had a really nasty fallout, it sounds like. Have you been following the, the, the latest? And there's always... He's so bad about and like he's 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 painted himself into a corner here because he's always like this isn't that's not what this game or here's what the game is here's what the game is surprise it's something completely different and then later as he'd go on like what the hell is this and just like cryptic advertising and like they didn't even say that Phantom Pain was a Metal Gear game and then suddenly it was a Metal Gear game and now because of that and even like did you see the 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 trailer for Death Stranding director's cut where it's just a cardboard box that has oranges in it and he drops them all out and he jumps inside a cardboard box. It's Norman Reedus doing this. And it was like, that's uh, Metal Gear. That's totally Metal Gear. Like he's doing it on purpose. Uh, I didn't see that. I did not see but that. But he's, he does this all the time. But I don't know if you had heard about this game that's getting teasers now called Abandoned. Wait, it's, it's he's involved in it? I've never heard of it. They this. keep saying that he's not, but they kept like I, and, and this is the other thing I've learned too, is that Metal Gear fans will look into anything as being um 
uh, uh, related to Metal Gear or somebody else. Oh, is this going to mean we're going to get another Metal Gear or there's going to be a remake? Like there's been so many remake of one to three um, rumors forever and nothing's really come to fruition. Mm. But in this latest one, everyone's like, no, there's no way. They think it, like some people think, because he also abandoned a, a Silent Hill game, right? Yeah. And this game is kind of somewhat famously abandoned. And so, and, and so more than recently, so this is, is it going to be and like, and, and blue box studio saying, no, with, we don't have anything to do with uh, Hideo Kojima. Like the, just, we're sorry if we gave that false impression. And right after they say this, uh, uh, a new ad comes out for abandoned and you can see behind the print, um, uh, a blurry face of a dude with an eye patch. And it's like, no, what, are you why, why, why are you doing? what are you doing to us, man? So people are really uh, losing it. And you've got all these different insiders. And someone's like, well, this guy has actually been pretty good a couple times. And he's saying that it is a Metal Gear game. But and now we're also hearing that it might be called Metal Gear Silent and that it's like kind of a cross between the two. So I don't know. I don't want to get my hopes up because it really yeah. feels like that this guy has slammed the door on the way out here. But it's also I mean, in a way that like oh, it's a really interesting game that uh yeah we're about to get into here but uh yeah so I, you hadn't heard any of that abandoned stuff nope, never heard anything about had you heard about the game i haven't i'm just looking it up right now i haven't been really keeping up with the video game news. yeah no i just keep well it's been I, pretty dry lately I just, well honest. yeah like covid kind of put a wrench in anybody's everybody's plans right in terms of developers i think so i mean everybody's playing more <laughs> that's pretty cool uh, yeah. yeah, I've played more video games in the last year and a half than I have per capita the rest of my life for sure. I've been I've been I've been going back into old games for some reason. Yeah, I, I, the game I've been playing recently, Heroes of Might and Magic Three. Hmm. What was that for? It's uh, it's for PC. It's mm -hmm. if you've seen uh, you you might have seen this the game, but it's like a really old school uh, game where you just you're pointing and clicking your your control armies and stuff like that. It's 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 interesting. It's okay. like very okay. very uh, um. You know, strategy based kind of thing it's not it's kind of strategy not really okay uh, but it's it's, it's, it's it's okay but yeah um i don't know all right konami it konami's no 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 longer really a video game company anymore. they make uh, last thing they made metal gear solid related was a pachinko machine yeah, yeah. famously <laughs> which is which has some really cool artwork on it i, I recommend people look it up but they who knows why you're not making video games so i guess I not it's interesting and people are yeah but so here we go metal gear solid v before we get into the main game, we've got to start with Ground Zeroes. Mm. Uh, this was released on March 18th, 2014 for the PS3, PS4, Xbox 360, and the Xbox One. It says it sold over 1 million copies. And it was only made because the Phantom Pain had gone over budget and they had to release what is essentially the prologue. It's uh, Some people have called it a, a glorified demo. Um Because um, it's not a full game. Yeah. It was overcharged, right? Didn't they charge like $40 for it? Uh, so it was a, pissed a lot of people off, but there was a huge boost in graphics. Again, it looks fucking yeah. awesome. We won't get to see how great they look because this is pretty pretty self-contained to this one main mission, and then these other ones that that kind of branch off from it. Some of them are, are are cute and fun. I'll tell you about them. Uh, but again, uh, I can't say enough of how much of a massive tone shift we get here, and how things get really serious and really heavy and much less pulpy and hero-y and much more anti-war. There's always anti-war in this, but this one really wants you to feel it in a visceral mm -hmm. and in a weird kind of uh, traumatic way. 
Um, let's get to it. Or March 70, March 1975. This is a few months after Peace Walker incident. Paz Ortega, Andrade, uh, I guess she survived uh, when she was saw to the ocean. She's missing, but she's presumed dead. Uh, it's it opens on an incredible cinematic. Here's what you should say. This is a start of this. Will continue to the next thing. So the next uh, game is everything is done in one long shot, uh, like in the style of um, Alfred Hitchcock's Rope. Uh, Kojima has said that this is uh, an inspiration for the cinematics in this. So it always looks incredible, and they get shots that you just can't get from a steady cam because it's uh, CGI. But it looks like it's a steady cam. It looks so good. This opening uh, shot. Uh, we start on a rainy night at a prison camp. Uh, follows to Chico, who is in a cage. Okay, so I should tell you about Chico. Oh my God, this poor goddamn kid. He is a sweetheart in Peace Walker. He's an absolute, oh, snake boy, we're going to have a good time. Like he's just this little scrappy-doo kind of uh, thing. He loves mythical creatures. He mentions, uh, he, he mentions CanCon in, uh, in Peace Walker. He mentions the Ogopogo. Because <laughs> he loves, uh, like, uh, this is this mythical Loch Ness monster that lives in, in BC here. And he mentions that among Bigfoot and all these other ones. He's And he's, like, really plucky and whatever and is happy to help. And he's kind of got a cute little crush on Paz. <sighs> but here when we see him, he is a mess. He's in a cage. And he's got earbuds uh, in his ear. And also he's got a weirdly, he's got a port for his earbuds in the middle of his chest. Really disturbing. A mysterious figure uh, arrives and says that uh, you've done well and gives Chico a tape to play. So he starts playing a song on a Sony Walkman, which becomes a big, important part here, um, uh, called Here's to You by Ennio Morricone and Joan Baez. It's a fucking awesome song. And it starts playing for the rest of this. It follows the figure onto a Jeep uh, that goes along the, through this darkened, uh, as the rain is falling, as they get to a chopper unit with the letters XOF on it. And he uses some sort of like, uh, it's almost like a, a black light device to kind of erase the letters. And as he's about to get on the chopper, uh, we reveal his face. We see finally see his face and it's skull face. And it says, it kind of says what his thing is. And he's just a scary looking dude. He looks, doesn't look human. Looks like he's a, a burn victim, right? I think he has, he is victim of, of burns we learned lately or later. The choppers take off, and this is again still one long shot. And he tosses XOF badges out. He tosses out these not these XOF badges, which again you can collect later in the game. But as he tosses them out, because I guess it's meant to say like to show we were never here, kind of thing. Um, the camera still follows them outside of the a helicopter as they pass by someone who's climbing up the side of a cliff. And here, for the first time, we hear the voice of Kazuhira Miller, who we had heard uh, from in Peace Walker on the radio. That the uh, explaining this mission that we knew, and finally, Big Boss is revealed with the catchphrase, but he doesn't quite sound the same. Kept you waiting, huh? Because it's Kiefer Sutherland doing the yeah. voiceover. The first big, like, kind of why and what the heck. Um, what do you think before we get into it? Kiefer Sutherland, uh, not versus David Hayter, but let's say Kiefer Sutherland in The Phantom Pain. Does it? I feel I feel like you don't even hear his voice that off that much. You don't, no. And it's famously a lot of people like thought that was kind of weird, right? Because again, we're going to get into more when we get to the actual Phantom Pain, but it's famously uh, unfinished, right? Yeah. And just how unfinished it is differs from person to person. Um, and but well, but here I like. I was mean, outraged for, for for. Of course, because people yeah. love David Hayter. Um, I didn't hate it at all. I mean, I love David Hayter in that yeah. in those roles. If, if you go back, if you if you if you played Metal Gear Solid like uh, Five Ground Zeroes and Metal Gear Solid Five, 
and you played with the you know uh, the Keith or something uh, his voice, uh, and then go back and you like you listen to David Hayter's voice. You're like, this is so video gamey. Uh, when you listen to actual uh, like old snake this is and, what did you say it's so video gamey like, yeah right like, oh big that's time not a real yes. person's voice. yes yes like there's someone making a voice yeah like you don't get that you never really get that feeling in the beginning when you start playing but no i feel like i feel like i i don't mind his i don't mind the new voice but i loved it i thought it was great yeah. and i think because of that tone shift i think it was actually a good choice yeah because because and- it makes you feel not like too yeah, um, sometimes David Hayter's voice does take you out of it, especially when yeah. I go back to watch the the old stuff. I'm like, yeah, mm-hmm. old Snake, his voice. It sounds like David Hayter is like trying to sound like an old person yeah, too. Yeah, and it doesn't sound good. Doesn't like, sound old good. Snake doesn't God, sound good. good. Nope. Yeah, it doesn't sound good at all. <laughs> so I was like, oh god. And then like, and, and I kind of, it, it feels. But I think I think the voice fits better because yeah. this is more real. It's supposed to be more grounded, more realistic. And yeah. it feels like this is like a real character yeah. other than like a video game character. Oh, that's a snake. This yeah. is like, uh, you know, the gruff, a gruff voice that like you, you recognize right away. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, yeah, so yeah that, I had no problem with it. I, yeah. I was one of the outrage person of people. Like I was like, what? They're getting rid of snake. <laughs> yeah. But love like, it. It's like, imagine if, imagine if Mario all of a sudden was like, yeah. Hey, how's it going? I'm just a slightly different. Does this tie in with the story? What's that? You know, like why his voice is different? It doesn't, right? There's, there's. Um, I, I guess in a way you could say there is kind yeah, of. Yeah, but I it wouldn't make more sense for it to. But you couldn't just have it change at the in the middle. Yeah, yeah, it wouldn't make sense. And since David Hayter wasn't even part of this anyway, so mm-hmm. I guess it was. It was just. It wasn't in. I guess in universe that yeah. there's a reason for it. Right? Yeah. Anyway, so the first playthrough is great. Um, you start with uh, you for this a new thing that's added to this is the uh, reconnaissance where you don't have your uh, sonar anymore. This is awesome. Where you always have to look through binoculars, and when you find uh, soldiers, you're t- they tag them so you know where they are, and you and as you get within a hundred meters, you, it shows you how close they are to you. Um, um, in the first recon, you get to the the camp and you find Chico and you put him on a, a chopper. And a Sony cassette tape falls out, and you hear the clues as to where Paz is. Uh, you sneak around, you find her, and bring her on the chopper with Chico and a medic. This is all like, I mean, again, it's a great gameplay. It's like the best the gameplay has ever been, ever yeah. been. Um, but so it good. would, but it would still even improve. Like for this is a one year away from the next one, and you're still using basically the same controls, but it gets even better in the in yeah. the next game, and uh, what's to follow. So you're on the chopper with Paz, Chico, and the match. I should mention Paz does not look like Paz anymore. She's had her head shaved and um, just looks like she's been through fucking hell. And she has. On the way back to Mother Base, Chico notices a nasty V-shaped scar on Paz's stomach. And the medic takes the stitches out. This is so graphic and super disturbing. Because he opens up the wound and there's just tons of intestines. And he's just digging his hand in there because there's a bomb inside. And he reaches in and he pulls it out and it has a peace sign on it. Boss throws it out the window and she kind of passes out. And they arrive at Mother Base and find that it's under attack by XOF forces. And they were supposed to be UN in inspection, but it was an ambush. And Mother Base that you would spend all of Peace Walker building. That's the other thing, too. It's just being destroyed. Um, Big Boss is able to save Kaz and gets him on board as they escape, as this is all going down. Amazing scene. It looks gorgeous. Again, again, one continuous shot. Uh, and cause immediately like he's not the fun freewheeling dude before he's still got the yellow scarf on at this point but he is calling pause a bitch and famously says she played us like a fiddle um 
uh, for what's happened. And, uh, she has come to and explains to them that she has another bomb inside of her. And uh, she jumps out of the helicopter. And as she just as she explodes, it uh, causes, uh, causes your helicopter to spiral out of control into another XOF helicopter. And there's a massive explosion. As you see, like the fire's going up in your face and it cuts to black. And the epilogue reveals that the U.S. downplayed uh, MSF's destruction. And in post uh, credits, we hear Skullface and Paz. We hear that she has she was the one who had given away the locations. And he mentions the tape again. Well, here you can listen to this song because it's about these two people who are freedom fighters from this old Italian movie. Um, and you hear the song one last time. Um, uh, yeah, um, crazy, right? And that, so that's it. That's all. That that's what this glorified demo is. Um, and it does open up these other missions, one of which, which is, is hilarious. You actually save Hideo Kojima. Um, and, um, the other ones are, uh, it's after you've got, gone back and got all those nine, uh, XOF badges, you unlock, uh, a really cool kind of throwback to Metal Gear Solid, um, stuff and a Raiden, uh, level where you get to play as Raiden, uh, which is pretty fun. Uh, it's a ride and meet snatcher levels, right? Because they're all body snatchers. So it's kind of an homage to two of his uh, former games and one that would come. Um, so yeah, it's a really, really dark game because especially because of what was one of the bigger controversies of this game is one of the, there's a bunch of these cassette tapes. I had spoken to you about this around yeah. the um, around the camp that you can pick up. And one of them, I've, I haven't listened to it. I've heard about it. I read there it was a, there was a story written in the Guardian by I don't have her name in front of me but it became, got carried pretty well and she describes it uh, pretty explicitly and that even the ex, the her description really stuck with me for about a week and still kind of gives me a weird feeling looking at this game and knowing what's going on um, I don't want to get into it I don't think I have to I think if you guys want to look it up you can but needless to say it's like it's shit man. It, it yeah. feels like a, a line too far, uh, it, but I think that's on purpose. It, but I don't know if you had to kind of go as far as, as he does here. I will say this. In some of the reviews that I've heard for Phantom Pain, some people think that Skullface isn't... They don't develop him enough as a, as a villain. Yeah. And, and so when his death comes, it's just kind of so what? I think this does it enough for me, <laughs> just knowing about this part, yeah. Um, and this aspect of things. Um, I don't know. I think I, like I'm, I'm. I don't know if you want to say anything else about it. I know you hadn't heard about it. You kind of, I kind of mentioned it to you. And you I, I, I've actually like because I for Ground Zeroes, I collected all those tapes and I, I did listen to all of them. Uh, and like I yeah. did in the beginning, in the first part, I didn't realize what was going on. Yeah. Like I didn't realize what was going on. And, but then, then I, uh, I, I, um. Like looking back on it, I was like, uh, uh, yeah, I, I understood what was actually happening mm -hmm, uh, mm -hmm. at that point. And yeah, I, I had it was it's kind of out of left field because they never really had anything that like that nope, in, nope. in any of his games. No, nope, and this was just like it was not even like a. Uh, like front and center. It's just like kind of hidden because these tapes yeah. are like you know. Yeah, and I mean that's the way that this the Guardian writer, the way this woman like you can imagine if this game would have came out about. Four years later, I think that when, with all this damn cancel culture, Jason, you know what I mean? I think yeah. it might have been a bigger story. Yeah. Um, but it still was. Like, if you read, like, that's Guardian, like, and this did make some 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 noise. Um, but she she 
paints it as though, and it's a reward in the game. You have to find it. You have to search for it to find this part. But it's not a reward like, oh, I get to hear this, this awful sound or this awful, I don't know how long it is, like eight minutes or something. But you, it's a reward because you learn about how awful this villain is and how it's not, it's a reward because it it gives, it does give, I will say this, it gives um, real depth and real kind of, it gives something to the, yeah. you know, emotion to the, uh, to the story. I think I, well, I don't think like listening, I listened to it again yeah. recently because I, I was confused about it. Cause I did first time I was, I didn't realize what was going on. Really, mm-hmm. I thought they were basically just getting tortured. Yeah. Right. But this is uh, totally over the board, like yeah. a different type of torture. And I uh, listened to it. It didn't sound like they did it well. Yeah. It, it didn't, it didn't, um, uh, it, it, like it wasn't done in a good uh like a tasteful or like i guess can't do it tastefully anyways nope. <laughs> right but they didn't it felt like it wasn't like they didn't put much effort into it mm. or, or either that or the the dialogue was weird yeah and also the, the actors maybe they didn't know what was going what was going on, on. i wonder yeah. i haven't like, looked into it have, yeah. like this is what's happening this is yeah. like this yeah. type of interrogation this type of thing i don't think they knew what was going on yeah. because it didn't sound like it yeah it i know I know with, like, yeah. yeah, I know with some of the podcasts, they've had some of these different voice actors on. I wonder if it's ever come up. I should look into it. Yeah. Anyways, uh, I'm, I'm, other than that, Ground Zeroes was, was yeah, it started to feel like, oh, yeah. wow, this is as good as Metal Gear's ever looked. It's definitely big steps up and prepared us for a game that would come out how much longer? It was uh, 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 almost a year and a half later. Yeah. So, so for me, Ground Zeroes, I started playing. I played it a lot. Uh, I, I tried to grind every, through everything. But the thing is, I didn't have as much attachment to the characters because I didn't play Peace Walkers. I didn't know who Chico was. Yeah, I yeah. didn't know who Paz was. So I'm like, I don't know. Who, I had to read up on them. Like, okay, they're they're important characters. But I mm-hmm. didn't really have any like emotional like, connect, like connection to them. Right, so right. I, but, I, but I went in just playing the game for the game's sake, and mm-hmm. it was really good. The tagging part, uh, the other things they added in were done really well i love it yeah, yeah. It's, it's, i feel uh, like other games took from that too because i did now a lot of games have tagging systems mm-hmm. like especially in shooters yeah. and like before they didn't have that type of tagging thing i think maybe they got this i got that the idea from kojima to be honest mm-hmm. yeah. I, and i i think uh a lot of people will talk about how like it's so funny how story heavy those first five games are now all of a sudden the narrative is not as heavy for yeah. a variety of reasons as we're going to get into here um, and that's the, the thing that pisses people off the most. But in a way, and I do agree, there are stuff that's unfinished here, but I think it's on purpose that he, he pulls off on the on the narrative here for a number of reasons, and we'll get into it. Metal Gear Solid V, The Phantom Pain. Finally, I'm able yeah. to, to, to finish <laughs> this journey with you, Jason. Thank you. Worldwide release was September 1st, 2015. On Metacritic, it got uh, so different grades. 93 out of 100 for PS4, 95 for Xbox One, 91 for PC. An immense improvements to game gameplay first and foremost. It's the first full uh, open world Metal Gear Solid. It has sold over six million copies uh, at the game. So this is when Game Awards are are a thing now. And by the way, uh, people talk about award show. Um, just nobody watches award shows anymore. How come people don't watch the Oscars? Lowest ratings in years. And there's been this like steady decline in the Grammys, the Emmys, everything. Award show viewership has gone down. The Game Awards shows huge through yeah. the roof get ratings that that oscars would dream for kind of thing and people are more interested than than anything yeah. um at the game awards in 2015 it was nominated for game of the year 
art direction. It won for best action adventure game and best score slash soundtrack. Because, oh man, as I said, this is when it really peaks, man. Because he starts including all these songs from the 80s and uh, um, and really not some are that are, you know, ones you really know, but also some that you'd never heard before. And boy, oh boy, does that make things great. But these game awards, Kojima was not allowed to attend famously as oh, well right yes i remember this because in the middle of making this they completely fell out and and uh it went way over budget they were throwing so much money at it and kojima just walked out on the company and quit for konami entirely uh so they were just on the outs and even though it won these awards they wouldn't allow him to to go and pick them up um anything well, else about the controversy before we get into this i feel like because of that kojima tried to change the game where his name showed up as many times as possible. I think you're right. Game, yeah. His name is almost on the screen. Like whenever, whenever there's almost text, every new mission, every new mission, always Kojima, yep. Kojima, yep. Kojima. It's like, this is my game, my game, yep. my game. Opening credits and closing yep. credits. Yep. Uh, oh yeah, for sure, man. And I'm like, put your name on it, man. Yeah. Yep. But I'm like, I'm like, they, they piss them off so much. Like yep. he, he's like, no, this is my game. I like, I, yep. I'm putting this in. Mm -hmm. Like, but yeah, it looks amazing and it plays amazing. It's yeah. the one I've played the most, obviously. I uh, I haven't put it down. I feel like I, I, I will finally. I, I got a, a strategy guide for it. I got the complete official guide, the hardcover one. It's so Ooh. nice, man. I, they don't they don't make those as much anymore, do they? No. I think because there's a good the online, one. Online screws everything up. Yeah, uh, but they're not the same, happen. man. They're not the not same. Fun. I love a good strategy guide. I have one for, for Snakey Deer. Brady and I got... Games. Brady Games. Uh, 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 the 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 uh, the the guides man I, I remember i used to have so many of those games yeah guides. they're so good because they give you extra like little easter eggs and tips and stuff like that right. and, like it's good right but Did then, you say brady games is that what you said i think it was, i think it was brady games yeah brady games sure. is the one that i have for uh snake eater but the one for metal gear solid v is i can't remember what the company's called but it's awesome um piggyback Ooh. And and they they've done a lot of good ones too. They had done four before. I, I think they have a. I'm probably gonna get. They did a, a Red Dead Two one that I'll probably get in, when I dig into that game. Um, but yeah, it's great and and it's got great stuff on the lore here too. That that uh, a really great artwork as well. But okay, so let's get to this. This is set in 1984, nine years after the events of Ground Zeroes, eleven years before the very first Metal Gear. Um, so it begins with another extended point of view uh, shot of someone slowly coming to on a hospital bed. At, this is right after we have seen a scene where someone has, has standing at a mirror and they've pushed play on, on a Sony cassette uh, Walkman with a song that says uh, The Man Who Sold the World. And the song has been playing over, uh, over top, but it's a different version. It's a cover. That is a subtle clue as to what's mm -hmm. to come i love that a cover art and i've got to say i love david bowie so does hideo kojima but i actually like this version i like this i like this better than nirvana's version as well uh, i can't remember the guy's name but it sounds really fresh got more synth to it um so you slowly come to life it's all point of view awaken on a military base the first thing you see is a woman's boobs right in your face of course thank you hideo and you've lost uh you've you realize as you've come through and you're kind of going through your you realize you've lost an arm and you have shrapnel in the side of your head and as a doctor is talking to you a female assassin shows up 
kills a nurse and the doctor, and then attempts to choke you out as well. It's all point of view, like right up in your face. But you are saved by a bandaged patient. So you can't see his face. His name is Ishmael. That's what he says he is. And he helps you escape from the hospital. But you're both like, you're super weak, so you can barely walk. Um, and you're uh, sliding around. Um, and here's where, you, where you're on the ground. And there's so many dead bodies because a bunch of... Uh, uh, cipher soldiers have come here because they i guess they figured out that you're there and they need to slaughter everyone to make sure that there's no connection to you and to get rid of you and nobody knows who did it i don't know they're, they're, that's just the way cipher they don't mess around they just kill um and you evade a couple of them but as you, you there's a part where you have to lie down on the ground with all these dead bodies and to look dead and you you, you pee you pee there's your there's your first pee joke in metal gear solid v i think the only pee joke in metal gear solid v um uh, but you have to get rid, get get away from these cipher soldiers. You're getting stronger as you're going because Ishmael's giving you a, an injection with something. And you, for the first time, you see the first kind of supernatural thing. And this is we learn is the third child. It's just a kid version of Psychomantis, where like the, uh, or is it Psychomantis? Am I saying his name right? Yeah, Psychomantis. Yeah. Um, and where the straitjacket's kind of hanging off of him, but he's also got with him. The Man on Fire, who is basically, it's Volgan from Metal Gear Solid 3, only he looks like entirely, he looks like Volgan, but he's kind of on fire, like uh, the Human Torch. And they're both chasing you uh, out of here, and eventually you escape in an ambulance that crashes, and you kind of black out for a second. When you come to, Ishmael is gone. You're the only one in the car, or in the ambulance. You are recovered by Revolver Ocelot. Here he is, and all of a sudden, he's chill AF. A guy who's like been Mr. Personality in all these uh, previous games is calm, cool, and collected here in this game. I love him in this game, actually. Yeah. He's much more neutral. Yeah, he, he seems like he's like the, 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 I guess, he's like the, the normal dude. He's just like trying to like, he's trying to, like, he's trying to control, make everything. Like, yeah, just make sure everything runs smoothly. Runs smoothly like, he does yeah. kind of know everything. I mean, he's always the kind of guy who kind of knows a bit more than he lets on, but this time, all he like he knows, and he doesn't have to. He doesn't have to be as much of a chainsaw. He, he just he can be more of a scalpel. To quote uh, the, the show I watch with my buddy, uh, Legends of Tomorrow, um, it's, that's kind of more what he's like. He's yeah, he's much more meticulous, uh, and it's not as overt that he's got uh, uh, some sort of ulterior motive, you know. Um, and he, so you are rescued by him and you brought aboard Diamond Dogs, a new mercenary group that was founded by Kaz on an offshore platform near uh, Seychelles, uh, which I guess is in the Caribbean, I think my wife was telling me. Kaz, man, uh, he's not there right now because you got to go and get him later, but he is not the freewheeling loving guy who you knew before. He's uh, lost an arm and a leg uh, and is just much more serious and much more like he is. This is a guy who wants revenge more than anybody else. So as Big Boss here, you would now adopt the name Venom Snake and you begin searching for Cypher and Skullface. So this is, again, like Peace Walker. It's not like a linear thing, but a series of missions and side ops. Um, you, begin, you get involved in the Soviet, Afghan, and Angolan civil wars, which would have been happening at this time. So your missions are split between Afghanistan and Angola. And along the way, you recruit uh, Quiet. Oh, now... What can you tell me? What's the first thing that comes to mind when you think of quiet? Uh, Kojima just has to have a a a, a woman character who's who's just half naked or just. And this is like the most, the furthest he's gone with that. Yeah. Remember, 
I remember he was getting the usual kind of eyebrows raised when this came out. And, oh, there's a really great um, uh, New York Times article on him written by probably my favorite video game journalist, Gene Park. Uh, it's awesome. Where he talks about, where they, they write about how, like, there was pictures of Quiet that had come out before the game. And everyone's like, what are you, are you kidding me? Because he's just naked AF. She's got nothing on him, like, torn stockings. It's so fetishized. Yeah. Um, um, and, and I guess the word, he, he said, well, when he heard all this, he's like, you're going to feel pretty bad when you find out why she wears what she wears. And it's just because uh, sun hurts her, clothing hurts her skin. That's it. That's the reason. Need, <laughs> that's, yeah, to breathe, like her skin needs to be. Yeah, yeah, her skin needs to breathe. That's all it is. Like, oh, okay. I guess you, you got us there, Captain. Boy, I guess I really need to look in the mirror. And breathe yeah, up. okay. And then you include this shower thing. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And there's just more. And, and, and she's posing when she's on the thing for you. You, uh, yeah. it's it's pretty um what's the word i'm looking for blatant <laughs> uh, unapologetic uh yeah um but she no longer speaks uh, and it's a really great uh, that's an awesome mission where you first get her because she's a a sniper she's a great sniper she doesn't speak at all but you kind of have to have this kind of fight off with her i was able to get an s ranking uh first time i played that it was one of the first levels that i was able to really kind of do well on uh this game is super hard this game is harder than any of the, there's no, um, uh, what do you call it? I guess Peace Walker didn't have uh, skill levels um, as the other ones did. But this one is, whoo boy, it's a, it's a, you have to play a lot of stuff over and over again. And it, again, for me, it took, it took me a while to get into it. But by the end, like the more, it's more, it, it turns you into a better player by the end than any of the other games did because of that. Really? It adds a lot of replayability because you just go, I can do this mission better. Yep. Well, yep. What if I do this? Yeah. So, so this game allows so well, th this game allows so much like uh I guess uh creativity. Of, creativity, yeah. There's creativity. no there's no you can't you can finish these missions in completely different yeah. ways. Yeah. Quite for quiet, I drop boxes on her. Oh yeah? because uh, oh, I I I because right. I I I realized that you could well, I, I think I've heard some. I've heard something somewhere where you can drop, uh, you can call in items. Remember, you can right, call right. Uh, drops, and those drops actually knock people out. That's so right. You can you can, you can knock uh, quiet out with with boxes. That's funny uh, if you do it properly. Yeah, um, this is a game that's it's kind of like Breath of the Wild. I've learned from like going to like these different forums and, and sites where people are still figuring things out that they can do, even though it's been out for a while now. You know what I mean? Yeah, doing using the decoy snakes to to, to mess with soldiers. It's, yeah. It's, this game is just super fun. Yeah, right? yeah, super fun. Uh, even though it's like that's the thing too for something that is this really heavy and really dark subject matter, yeah. um, and not it's not a happy story. Probably the least happy story. These are all like generally pretty tragic characters. Yes, I, I guess more and more unhappy as, as yeah, this yeah. And this on. one just gets uglier and uglier. That's why it's like I've seen. Uh, there's one guy who who who's on one of the two people on. Uh, I'll put over this Metal Gear podcast again. Uh, Shadow Moses Cafe. Can't remember his name off topic, but or off hand. But his his YouTube channel is Future Sound Productions, and he has a great look at uh, about uh, how Phantom. Lots of looks. Like he, he talk. They talk about Phantom Pain a lot, but he just really gets into how much of it's an uh, uh, an anti-war masterpiece. They're all anti-war, but this is the one that really captures these specific um pains that that come with with uh war um 
for lack of a better word, pains. Uh, so you also find Huey Emmerich for the first time here from a side op. It's weird that it's a side op. There's a lot of stuff here that is what you do with side ops and which ones are more important than others and some missions that aren't important at all. Yeah. Um, um, and you also get a code talker. That's a really cool mission. I love the, the scene for that. So he's a Navajo expert on parasites who was forced to work for ciphers. The first time we learn about these parasites. Um, and finally, you also capture Eli, who is a British child who you'd believe to be a, a clone of snake, uh, liquid, uh, liquid snake, or you think it is a young liquid, but a DNA test confirms that you, uh, your character, you are not the father. Um, um, and I'm, he's a really interesting character and he's got a lot of his, I remember on the back of his shirt. So he's, there's a lot of literary references in this, um, more, much more so than the other ones. Uh, Moby Dick is huge. Obviously we've already heard about Ahab and Ishmael and the name of the, uh, the, the helicopter is the Pequod, which comes from, uh, Melville's book as well. Um, but Eli is totally kind of come when they capture him, he's like kind of got a Lord of the Flies things going in uh, Africa or wherever he is, right? Where he's got a bunch of child soldiers. And, oh, that's the other thing. Child soldiers are in this a lot too. And that's always been a topic that he kind of, um, uh, Kojima kind of hints at or talks about because, you know, Snake and Liquid were child soldiers and were recruited and Raiden was a child soldier. But this one, they're more like uh, you're seeing them being kind of controlled by these different... Um, militias in these different parts of the world so you kind of rescue them along the way and eli had a whole bunch and uh, was like kind of leading a whole bunch like this kind of in this lord of the flies type thing where he's this kind of asshole kid but he's, he's dangerous right hmm. um um so can you rem i remember that that boss fighter the way you get him being really good and i remember the way that you have to sneak in to get code talker and carry him out without being seen by these like skulls that have this um elite kind of super soldier abilities uh can you remember anything about these uh levels and gameplay in particular uh, uh, to be honest i don't remember too much about that stuff like i got just embroiled in uh in uh doing missions and side, yep. and side things yep. i was just playing that that, that stuff yeah. like the story i i really don't remember much right of it. because it's pretty secondary man and i yeah. think and i and again and that's what a lot of people have a problem with and they think well it's unfinished it doesn't have all these things and there's infamously there's a whole there was an extra mission here that that never got finished and put on and i that is what it is but i think this again i think this is tied to um that phantom pain the name of the thing is like you're meant to be left with something that doesn't feel complete hmm. right like that you're not uh, something's off and something's wrong um, because that's kind of what the, I think that's he's trying to create this feeling of that in in chaos and war that's hard to find narrative. I had mentioned last uh, episode how I think this is like uh, a thin red line, uh, which is a war movie that is amazing. And it's but but does not have like one continuous narrative. It just has a bunch of things that happen and it finishes with like, OK, all of these these really traumatic and some of these awful things happen and we lost some people along the way, but we're just getting back on that ship again and it continues. Um, and I think that's kind of, I, I, I've never heard him directly say that it was an influence on this, but I think that that idea of, of it just being these kind of vignettes that are all kind of somewhat related, there's still a story here. There's still a main arc and we're going to get to it, uh, including some like big reveals and things like that. But 
overall, it's not, it's nowhere near as story driven and it's not meant to be. Yeah. I mean, I, the reason why I keep coming back to it is because the gameplay is so good and there is some other things that you, there are some other things you can d discover and stuff like that. Yeah. It kind of felt like you're just a soldier doing missions and yeah. Just, yeah. just like not knowing what's going on a lot of times or not, not really like being told much and you're just like, go here, do this, rescue yep. this person, kill these people. Yep. So uh, Snake learns that Cypher's leader, Major Zero, was usurped by the XOF, who, the same group that destroyed uh, MSF, Militaire Sans Frontières. Uh, their leader, Skullface, wants to obliterate all cultures that aren't American. This is cool. I learned that the voice actor uses what's known as the mid-Atlantic or transatlantic accent, which was like a super kind of white supremacist kind of way of talking that came out of World War One. is how you could could uh, lure out the, the spies and stuff if you didn't talk with this accent. It's the way you were taught. Right. Hepburn, uh, what's her name? Hepburn, something Hepburn. Uh, uh, no, I would say uh, like more like uh, Cary Grant has okay. a very has a very much of that type of accent, and and he has that, but it's with that kind of like oh. uh, you know you know what I mean. Uh, so that I think that's on purpose. Uh, again, uh, in Shadow Moses uh, that uh, cafe podcast, I get really deep into it. Mm -hmm. um, he intends to release a parasite that kills anyone who speaks English, and this is after a pandemic has occurred on Mother Base with soldiers who speak this one language called Kikongo. It's a weird way you have to kind of figure that out. Do you remember you have to move them all into like quarantine? Um, but it's, you, only, you have to look, look, what's the connection? Why are these guys sick? And it's because they all speak this one language, which is weird. But we get into that as well. It's weird that you get these quarantine and pandemic type stuff in this game from 2015 too, for a guy who always seems to be a few steps ahead of the game. Um, Quiet and Skullface had also uh, been given parasites that make their them stronger and give them their abilities same with the skull soldiers so Skullface plans to make nuclear weapons available to as many groups as possible believing this will lead to deterrence so he's kind of got us another kind of mad scientist plan that hot coldman had just a very um, kind of next level one but it's also got that those levels of uh, white supremacy to it mm -hmm. uh believing that this will lead to deterrence and achieving world peace even even though that's the thing he would secretly control every weapon he would get to decide uh, that so he's really kind of like it's a big power grab too on top of everything which is what these guys always want uh skullface wants to use his latest metal gear which is sahelanthropus which whoo baby uh looks amazing to make people uh want nukes but it can't function without the the um uh, psychic powers of the third child uh this is after he has uh kind of taken you in with him and and you have this really infamous in this in this scene a long jeep ride to the song sins of her fathers do you remember this where he's where skull face is kind of revealing everything and talking about all this stuff and they're just kind of sitting across from each other and then you just start driving for a lot longer and they're just locked in eyes with each other it goes on for way too long do you remember this I actually did not get to this point. Oh, really? I actually oh, okay. did not finish the game. Okay. All I did was play missions and build the base. Right, right. I got, I got burnt out. I'm going to, I'm gonna eventually go back to it. All right. Well, because especially for what's coming. Did you, so did you not do that? You didn't get to the Sahelanthropus boss fight. Oh, no. my God. Highly recommend. Highly recommend. Okay. I got uh, I got maybe one of the boss fights in the, in the series, especially against Mecha. It's it's awesome because um, you know how great it looks. So anyways, there's a test of Sahelanthropus that goes wrong. When the third child turns against Skullface because Eli is has been picked up or is on the ship with them, and he sees something in him, a guy who wants the same level of revenge, like the 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 third child is just this weird 
um, psychic energy that kind of follows wherever the, the, the kind of most evil thoughts are happening, basically. And it was coming at Skullface, but then Eli showed up. And he's like, ooh, I see something here. And so he kind of went to him. Um, and But he's able to get the... Get, Sahalanthropus comes to life and it crushes... Uh, the man on fire, like really unceremoniously. It's pretty awesome. Like he, this is a guy you had been worried about. He had showed up in another um, uh, mission and he's like, looks like he's unbeatable, but they just, just, just rolls over him. Like it's no big deal. So it shows you that he was probably being controlled by the third child as well. Um, so there's a test. Uh, uh, yeah. Uh, Sahelanthropus uh, tur turns against Skullface. Um, and there's a, this is a really great boss fight that I was telling you. And after you defeat him, it has uh, three parasite vials that you need to destroy, but you can only recover one. One is missing, and the other is taken by the third child, that which is later given to, to Eli. Uh, Skullface has ended up crushed by a tower from the waist down. I don't know if you've seen this scene or not, but you and Kaz, you come by him, and you shoot him up like crazy. You just start bang shooting him, but not killing him. He's just in pain, right? And this is just like, like we just want you to feel pain and then they put the gun next to him just just out of reach saying if you can reach that that you can then you can you know put yourself out of your misery and you walk away but then huey pulls the trigger himself uh believing that in some way this redeems himself like it's really weird it's a really weird scene but it's dark too and and Skullface is dead so this this hero and this feels like this isn't the end of the game you know but this feels like this would be an end of a game because there's an awesome scene where you return the metal gear to the base this whole massive stalanthropus and it's dropped off of these helicopters and kaz explains to look to your left look to your right you can't trust anyone and it kind of like this is meant to be like this kind of victory but it's still kind of it feels like a climax and this feels like this could be the end of a game because they've 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 got this thing but yeah. something is off something feels off and this is the end of chapter one and for some reason they show a trailer for trap chapter two here in the game which is weird why would you show a trailer for what's about to come but chapter two is called race so like you know the story from this point on right yeah but okay so i'll just we'll, we'll just go through it here and, and uh if there's any uh other uh kind of standout uh play uh gameplay I'll, I'll uh i'll mention it to you uh third child has given the third vial to eli Eventually, Eli and all the child soldiers steal Sahelanthropus. It's a really awesome scene, actually, when you come back and they just kind of they just kind of float away because it's all these child soldiers that you had saved are just now like he's able to get them to trust him and kind of go with him, and it just goes away and it flies away with helicopters. There's kids flying the helicopter and carrying away Sahelanthropus, and you never see it again. So this is what they kind of mean like this feels unfinished. And there's mm -hmm. technically uh, 50 missions, and there was a, a mission 51, or at least there was a, laying the groundwork for it, where it would have been on the island where the kids were. And it would have been, like, it sounds like it could have been a Lord of the Flies thing, or so Chapter 3, I think it was called, Chapter 3 might have been called Peace, but I'm not sure. But, uh, yeah, we never got it. Um, turns out the third child wasn't necessarily working for Skullface. He just uh, had, as I said, he had drawn on how vengeful he was and moved to Eli, meaning the attack earlier had come from him. Now, over the course of the missions, uh, another epidemic of parasites occurs on the base. Do you know about this scene? Yeah. This I, I, is, I've seen this, yeah. This is nuts. This is, this comes at, so again, this is like you're feeling that kind of, well, hey, we did it. Yeah, we're back on the, we're back, Diamond Dogs, baby. Woo! <laughs> yeah, we're back in business. 
Um, and then all of a sudden this pandemic has another one has come out and they've got everyone in quarantine, but it turns out that they're, they're not going to make it and you've got to keep them locked in this section are locked in this, in this room. And you have to go through and individually kill about like, I feel like it's like 50 of your own men. And each time you do it, you kind of see their name because you've learned all their names throughout yeah. this. And they all have weird names like laughing frog and, and jumping uh, monkey and all these weird things that and you've been learning all them. And you have to go one by one through and just kill off all of your men. It is so, it's depressing and dark and heavy and ugly. And I'm so glad I, I got through it uh, um, because it, um, <laughs> I would not want to have to play it a, a second time. Um, uh, yeah, a real wild scene. Uh, so, and then, and then there's another, an amazing, one of the best cut scenes in the, in the game, uh, that follows here. Um, I think that, uh, I can't remember you shine like diamonds. I, got, I think that's what something like that is what this, uh, mission is called. And he has cremated, uh, all of the soldiers and he rubs their ashes on his face, basically saying, you, uh, you are me, I am you. Um, and he has them turned into diamonds, all of them. And so, and then for the rest of the game, when you're, when you're on the ship, you see this little flashing diamond on the badge on your, on your, uh, on your shoulder, which is a pretty cool touch. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, but yeah, that scene, like that's one of the best uh, scenes on here. And it's really symbolic for what we learn later about how he's say, put, rubs it on his face, right. To say that you are me and I am you and I am like, we are all, um, diamond dogs. We are all this one person. Um, uh, so, uh, and after this, uh, Huey is accused of starting the epidemic and because he also basically murdered his wife, Dr. Strangelove, what we learned from before, a terrible scene. He just like locked her up in the AI. It just sounds awful in the, in the AI pod. And, uh, he is exiled from Diamond Dogs. After this happens, um, Quiet disappears and Code Talker tells you she's infected with the English strain parasite. And she was meant to infect the Diamond Dogs for Skullface to just come there and start talking and start killing everybody off. But she became too loyal to Snake from helping you out on the missions. Uh, Huey's mutation of the parasite meant that she couldn't guarantee he couldn't guarantee the safety of, of Diamond Dogs. Part of the reason why he got kicked off. And so this leads to this final where you have to go find her. And again, a really great cutscene where she just really graphic, really violent. But it is like girl power, uh, her kicking ass. Um, and and you have to fight off waves of Soviet tanks and artillery. This is basically the final boss fight. It, if something feels incomplete to me, this is the one part that felt the most incomplete is that it's just a bunch of tanks and, and things. And it's not something big, something one big thing. It's really difficult. It's a real pain in the ass. I remember I had to come back to it after going on side ops and just building up my uh, rocket launchers and shit. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, but, uh, yeah, and so after you wipe them all out, there's a, a, another wave approaching uh, uh, with a sandstorm. This is through a cutscene, and you are bitten, ironically enough, bitten by a venomous snake when you're hiding, falling through the thing. And she is forced to speak because she has to summon help for you. Um, and, and she has to leave because she's spoken and it's an, a beautiful scene. And, uh, the word she is like, I, I, I don't have it off of hand, but it's a gorgeous and it looks awesome. Um, and she kind of just reveals everything about herself and it's really good, but she has to leave to avoid causing another epidemic. Uh, and this leads you eventually to what is the end of the game. 
which is mission 46 called truth the man who sold the world and i'm sure you've heard about this scene jason it plays out entirely like the prologue where you're back in the hospital again coming to life only it is revealed and this is the big shock revealed that when you see your face it's actually a face that you had to design at the beginning of the game that i completely forgotten about oh and, right and i yeah. and i had i had i had designed it to look as much like me as possible it did a pretty good job it ended up being okay because there's not really slim pickings but i did i was able to make enough of the features so that when like the, the mirror reveals that it's you and not him but you do get plastic surgery it is extra jarring if you're able to make it look like yourself and then when they reveal on the back of the picture that that is you were the medic and you're just a friend of his you were the medic on the on the air on the helicopter from ground zero scott i'm getting goosebumps just thinking about it um it also has your name on the back which is this thanks for thanks for hey big boss hey Wilshi, you're the best big boss that's what it says that was my my gamer nickname to make it even more uh <laughs> like intense uh, and so you have to play through the whole scene. Um, it turns out you were the medic and you've been given this plastic surgery. You look like the big boss. You're also hypnotherapy to give you his memories. And you were meant to serve as a decoy while the real big boss was waging a covert war against Cypher. And in a way, this is kind of cowardly. But in a way, it makes total sense because he's becoming more of a villain. And in a way, it also makes sense because remember at the end of Peace Walker, Kaz told him, like, I knew about this all along. He's like, what, Kaz? Kind of thing. So now it's just like, I can't trust anybody. So I mm -hmm. have to, like, have these ulterior motives, right? I have to have these long-term plans where I'm, like, making these crazy, uh, crazy ideas. And there's a great reveal of the real big boss here. No scars, you know, no shrapnel in his faces. And he's a sweet leather jacket holding that trademark stogie. And he's on that motorcycle, the same motorcycle. It looks like Eva's from before. Um, and an awesome final tape played by Venom that basically, that is so awesome. And this feels like, it's him basically saying, no, even though you aren't big boss, you are big boss, right? From this point on, you are big boss. And and it does like reads and he stands up and he like he's finished playing it and he punches the mirror and it's kind of thing he's accepted his fate that yeah, this is I'm going to keep doing this and keep the the legend going. Uh and the meta thing that really feels here is this feels like it's Kojima talking to the player. And it's like him saying, "I I can't play the I can't I'm not going to make any more of these games, you guys. Mm. Um, and there's a lot of extra shit on here. And, you're, you know, this will feel kind of incomplete. But guess what? You're still big boss. It's you now, right? You're the one who gets to do this. And you're the one who gets to play it. And that really kind of gave me, uh, like, aside from this really awesome reveal, because I kind of knew it was coming. It kind of gets out, like, all the stuff out, right? Over the last six months, so you kind of figure everything out. But I love that on the back of, um, he reveals on the back of the, of the of the uh cassette tape that had said the man who sold the world is the name of the mission from metal gear the first metal gear so it's revealed that he is the big boss big in boss quotes in, the big, oh. in 1987 who was not really the big boss which is the big boss comes back in the sequel yeah the real big boss big comes boss, back yeah. in the sequel isn't uh, that a, just that brilliant makes, yeah, <laughs> like, Kind of explains everything at the end. Yeah, that's uh, such a nice touch, man. Because he essentially is Big Boss. Because you've done all this stuff for him. And you're just playing his proxy. And you're just as badass. You've developed all these, these uh, uh, you know, skills over the time. 
Uh, so awesome. And there's a, finally one last after the credits. The post-credit sequence is Kaz and Ocelot discussing Big Boss's real identity. Um, so Kaz is choked, but no, but he's going to keep working with Venom Snake to get back at the real Big Boss. Eventually, that's his plan. But mm. how did that turn out? We know that Liquid ends up killing Kaz. Boy, again, I want to put over Shadows Moses one more. Their second uh, Shadow Moses Cafe, their second uh, chapter uh, just on Kazuhiro Miller is so good, man. And the look into what a tragic guy this is. But he's just as much of a prick as all these other guys because he's there looking out for you know power and to gain something in this war scenario um so as as tragic as he is and a really interesting character he's as much of a villain um as everybody um and then that's the that's the end of of technically phantom pain and it does feel kind of like i've heard so many people say like oh that's it that's it because it Mm -hmm. does kind of feel like Oh, after all of that, that's, I mean, that's a big reveal. Um, but it didn't feel like there's a lot of loose ends, right? Including that one that I told you about, the Sahelanthropus just being taken away by the kids. Um, and that's it, right? There are some side ops. Like, how many of the side ops did you play? I, I, I played as many as I could. I think yeah. I finished all, all the ones that I, I was, I played. Could yeah. play up. I burned myself up playing them and playing them over and over again. Yeah. So I did I wasn't interested in the story, so I was just I just wanted to mm-hmm. S rank everything and unlock yeah. everything. Awesome, because there is this um, there's this one there's this group of ten side ops where you have to collect because weirdly on your base on mother base in one of the in the hospital medical region oh, you walk yeah. up and pauses there and she's not her head isn't shaved she's got blonde hair but she's still got the scar. And she's talking about, she's like, hey, a snake. Like, and she's reading the old book by the guy from Peace Walker about nuclear arms. Did you get all 10 of those mementos that she talked about? I don't think so. I got a bunch of them. And yeah. I, I went through her story. I was just confused. I'm like. It's really, it's talk? really weird. It's really weird. But it's meant to tie to, uh, again, to, it ties to the bigger picture of these kind of repressed memories. Because you, you keep going back and you, you have to find these mementos and do these different side ops for her and come back to her. And she tells you these different things until you bring back the 10th. Uh, picture and you go back and this time she's in pain and she's digging into her like there's still a bomb she's saying and she's digging into her stomach again and it gets into that same graphic with like the guts coming out and stuff um kind of thing until and then you kind of i can't remember what happens exactly but it feels like you come to and it you realize she was never there she was never there at all these are all just weird repressed memories and that makes you feel like how much of this is real and how much is not right and I think in a way that's kind of a get out of jail free card for Hideo with some of the stuff that is like kind of unfinished here. Yeah. Um, Cause I do think, yeah, there's stuff cause you have to repeat a bunch of missions that are just harder in the, in the second chapter. There's nowhere near as many missions in the second chapter. Um, so there's lots of stuff that points to, yeah, there's stuff that he, that you just didn't do. Mm. But I think that idea of there not being, a a, a a conclusion or a, a kind of like tight bow on this narrative fits the theme of this that phantom pain that stuff yeah. that you can't uh reach the stuff that you're left with after actually you know experiencing war um yeah so to me as, as i said last last uh episode metal gear solid 2 is probably my favorite of the series just because of how nuts it gets at the end and i yeah. just I, I I can't think of any other video game that would has done something like that, um, but and I and I love Snake Eater because it's just so tight. So I'd probably put Snake Eater and Phantom Pain as my second favorite um, Metal Gear mm-hmm. games. 
I, I think um, I need to finish Phantom Pain. I, I burn my, I always do this. I, I'm one, I always try to 100% things. So I burn myself all games. Uh, yeah. I played Phantom Pain so much. I was like upgrading the, I was always focused on upgrading the, the base to the max, yeah. collecting all the diamonds in the, in yeah. the, in the missions, everything. Yeah. I, I just try to like solve different, uh, play missions like five, six times doing different things mm -hmm. and like i just kept on doing it until i got burnt out and, yeah. and the thing is i didn't uh, the story wasn't captivating for me so no. that's why i'm like oh i think i like i did a lot of it i'm like I'm, if this game is going to constantly be like this i'm like i'm good i played like kind of figured it out like yeah. 30 50 hours of this just yeah yeah oh yeah like i put in like i concentrated primarily on the on the um um, main, main mission ops until as i said when i needed to go back and then i went back and did all the side ops i finished yeah. all 150 um i haven't 100 it yet but it is i feel like i'm not going to be able to let it go until i do or although maybe this will feel like the final like i've taken the band-aid off now that i finally talked with you guys about these things um but uh yeah it's um I, I, it's it easily the most replayable as you said yeah. um it, like the, the whole story uh, for all these games for me <laughs> took about 20 hours of of gameplay with the exception of metal gear solid that you can get through it probably in about 10 i only i only devoted about five or six to it um um but they all take about they say on average if you're an, an experienced gamer about 12 to 14 but this one takes yeah about 50 hours to get through everything but a lot of that isn't the narrative yeah i, I but this is this is one of the uh the like gameplay wise this is one of, one of one of the best games out there for gameplay. I agree. Yeah, it, highly recommend it. I don't think any there's any other game that quite like this. Yeah. Uh, um, the replayability is just crazy. Where I we played it to the point where I burned out. I couldn't. Even play yeah, anymore. as you said. But, but and, it, and they have the fun. yeah, and they have that online <laughs> contingent. And there's this the part that I haven't even touched on is that that there's like that that off base uh, PFO. I can't remember what the thing is or OFP where you can fight against other people's bases that you've been developing because essentially your mother base, you don't have any missions on that mother base. They're not very many. There's a couple things that you touch on, but when you're like developing it and getting new weapons for it, it's a you're it's for nothing other than for these, I can't remember what's called OFB missions or something anyways. And that's a, and that's a side of the game. And there is that metal gear online that people are, that's what people are playing a lot more of these days uh, and still are. But, uh, yeah, it's uh, still uh, still what FOBs they're called. Yeah, so it's like your your the base that you've been developing, and you can go play against other people. Yeah, so yeah, I understand. I understand. Like a lot of people wouldn't put Metal Gear Solid Two as their favorite. I know. Oh, but dude, I've also noticed. I've noticed uh, that there's no consensus as to what the favorite is. I yeah. think three is the most kind of universally yeah, recognized universal. as like yeah. perfect and doesn't have the flaws but the people like for me i love the oh i love that i love any game especially something that that like fucks with your audience as much as it does and pulls the rug out from under you and like that's so ballsy but then to have that that last the last tenth of that game where it turns into that total meta thing that predicted 20 years from now or from yeah. there is uh, unlike any experience I've had in video games uh, or, or art in general, right? That was something very, very unique to me. I, I think the I think the Metal Gear Solid Two the the setting is really good. The the actual level layout is really well done. The mm -hmm. the, the cell whatever whatever it's called the, big cell um, big cell. I I like that. I like that big the, shell. Sorry, big shell. There you go, big yeah. shell. I I really like that uh, that setting. Mm -hmm. That setting was really good. Um, but yeah, I, I think Metal Gear Solid Three. Well, uh, well, 
Snake Eater is the best one, mm-hmm. but my favorite, like playing, will always be the the Metal Gear Solid one. Both of them, Twin Snakes and and the yeah. original one, because I play both. Yeah. Uh, now, um, they're both really. Have you played the original Metal Gear Solid one? Uh, yeah, recently. I, I only I went through about uh, two thirds of it. As I said, it's a it's a lot easier to go back and play that after playing all these other games that have advancement. Yeah. And I think, dude, I, I, I was talking about this last week. I a hundred percented Mario 64 on Mario mm. all-stars mm. and, and that was like out of spite. I hated the, the controllers on, on uh, Mario 64. I was just, I just wanted to finish it and just to like say, fuck you, you, you couldn't do this to me. Like it just yeah. gets, that's a really, it gets really uh, pain in the ass. Right. But this, uh, um, yeah, some of the graphics, like the close-ups haven't looked as well, but I feel like the gameplay uh, on, on uh, you can get it through the PlayStation shop uh, if you have a PS3. That's the only way you can still play it. Yeah. Um, uh, it still great. Still really good. I've, 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 yeah, but yeah. Metal Gear, uh, this, the Snake Eater is the best combination of gameplay and story mm-hmm. because it's, like, it's, very, it's very good. But yeah, I, um, yeah Metal Gear Solid Five. Uh, my my ratings will always be Metal Gear Solid One, both of them, mm-hmm. and then uh, uh, Metal Gear Solid Three, um, then Phantom Pain. All right. Very close, but the only reason is because I didn't care about the story, and I think it's the problem is because I didn't play Peace Walker. Yeah. If yeah, I played yeah. Peace Walker, I would care more about this game. I think. Mm. Uh, yeah. I think. Well, I, I, I recommend I'm, you give it a shot, buddy. I said yeah. the same thing to my last guy too. It's a really really fun game and uh, the the side ops aren't as random they're fun and creative and there's tough sort of like your monster hunter and there's one that's like the game puyan do you remember that old game puyan no, old arcade no. game it's a really old arcade game um where you're just shoot you're uh, a pig shooting down uh uh wolves in balloons but they find a different way to make it uh interesting. yeah it's fun it's super fun all right well thank you man i before we go as a guest on yours right. mine and the truth you know you are required to come up with your top five extreme songs okay so i was listening to the extreme i like yeah. i i only really know more than words i think that's most just like people. Bait most people yeah yeah but i i i was listening to her um the, uh, as many songs as i could mm-hmm. and number one is gonna be more than words okay that's um, cool. number two is gonna be play with me ah yeah you know that from uh, guitar hero i'm sure uh, i think so yeah and yeah. then uh, number Three was Midnight Express. Ah, okay. So uh, you like the acoustic, yeah, uh, I like the and, acoustic. Uh, instrumental. Yeah, I, and number number four was Tragic Comic. Mm-hmm. And then one. I don't know if this counts. You don't count. I have to find another one. But can can I say Help? They're, they're oh, of course, their cover of Help. Yeah, my buddy Johnny picked their cover of Help as well. Wow, yeah. you really went off. You went off the board there with Midnight Express. Yeah, that wasn't. Uh, I, I I really like that song. Like, yeah, I was listening yeah to it's it, awesome. Like, He's an amazing guitarist. He was uh, Rihanna's uh, uh, guitarist for a decade plus. He's awesome. Nuno, mm-hmm. cool. Yeah, that, that that's it. That's it. Uh, it made me. I like. Uh, there's some. There's their, their music. Is, their music is very strange i feel all like, over the place right all over and the especially place. back in the, in the 80s they were that kind of sleaze metal hair metal uh and when it went into the 90s they had kind of an album that is still yeah. in that genre but a little more accomplished and kind of commenting on that lifestyle which is really good probably their 
you know, the one that has more than words on it is Porno Graffiti, their second album. Mm -hmm. Then their next album was like super prog rock that has that tragic comic where they try to, they had full on orchestras and stuff. And then that didn't sell well. So they had to kind of come out with their grunge album, like every kind of band did around then. And that didn't sell well at all. So they split up. One of them went on to be the lead singer of Van Halen for one album. The other guy went on to be with Rihanna for like, as I said, 10 plus years. You hear them on a lot of, uh, sometimes they're in the videos. And then uh, they got back together in 2008 to do another album and they're supposed to have another album ready to come out yeah. but uh you know they gotta wait until they can they can't they only they're the type like they're in you know 60 uh almost now and they can't make money uh just by putting out an album they have to tour with it right so yeah, yeah. if we do get to hear new music that'll be that'll make little travis happy but i'm glad that you uh put some time into it because yeah, yeah, it was some... really funny. I was listening to it on shuffle, like their stir, their all their songs, and, cool. and my girlfriend's just like, "What the hell are you listening to?" Because it's like, it's like it's random, not something like, you just just throw on on a Sunday or yeah, Monday. Yeah, like song after song, it was like totally different. And she's like, "What are, what yeah. playlist are you listening yeah. to?" They're nothing if not eclectic. That's for sure. Yeah. Well, I appreciate it, dude, and I appreciate you sticking around. We did go well, along thank, again here. Thank you for having me on. I, I'm, I'm I apologize for not completing Mary Your Song by. I think Please, I man. I did a very uh, uh, it's a very huge sin for me. Uh, I know. I'm surprised. I'm shocked. I have a problem with not finishing games because I get burnt out really yeah. easily. Right. But I'm gonna go back. I have to go back. To play. Right. Sounds good. I'm glad. Awesome, man. Thanks for joining us. Hope to. Uh, hopefully, we can uh, see each other in person again soon. Yeah, of course, of course. Thank you for having me on. It was a. Uh, it was a blast uh, talking about one of probably one of the best uh, game uh, series out there. Right. Yeah, I hear you. tradition that I just had to uh, pass on somehow uh, my experience so others uh, who would not normally have this experience uh, could could tell it to future generations um, no, seriously thank you Jason thanks for joining me again 
um, and talking about this. I, I did want to say quickly that music you heard on the on the way out there, Asia. Uh, only time will tell. Wow, what a great track from that, and that's again from the the Metal Gear Solid V uh, soundtrack. Which, if you have Spotify, you can find. Uh, uh, there's no official soundtrack, but there's or there are some that are official. It's weird, but like, well, not one that has the actual uh, uh, 80s songs on it and one 90s song which is weird, then, you know, I'm sure people have written essays about that as well. So again, look for that, look for that playlist um, on on uh, Spotify, at least, or, or just look up for different ways you, that, that people put it all together, because there's a lot of great tracks on there. And it's really, really good music. And I, I've talked about how uh, my wife is kind of sick of me playing these games and the rat tat tat and the explosion and the snake screaming like again and again ad nauseum for the past six months but uh she actually really enjoyed the soundtrack so that one i can really pass on to everybody um yeah what else can i say okay yeah before before i put a bow on metal gear solid all together uh i do like obviously all i'm doing is just kind of telling you the stories again right and there has been so much ongoing analysis and and you know really great discussion and discourse about the themes and the characters and the events of these games um that i really really encourage uh, people to look out for uh, and search uh including uh those three the three main podcasts that have i've really listened to the most um Number one is Metal Gear Mondays, and uh, I would tell everyone to, to look for that if right after they've played through each of the games, almost every one of the games, I'll say, uh, definitely one through all the way up through four in Peace Walker. They're a great uh, companion piece, and V, um, I'll say Ground Zeroes, you can listen to them because they still... They're still they still have an enthusiasm for it, but by by the time it gets to Phantom Pain, I think they need because there's different people who have worked there and they all do a really good job. But I think at that point, the hosts who had done the other ones were were kind of burnt out on definitely on Phantom Pain and uh, on kind of on Kojima discussion as well. So I'd, I'd I'd love it if they put up a new. Uh, kind of playthrough of uh, discussion for uh, Metal Gear Solid V with somebody who actually kind of enjoys it. Because, look, I, that was a polarizing game and still is uh, because for the reasons that we talked about. But it's it's still very widely played, as I've learned, and um, and has a big following of people who do consider it the best uh, of the series. So. I think that that uh, interpretation for for a, for a, a podcast to, that prides itself or calls itself Metal Gear Mondays, um, it's it's worth uh, kind of reconsidering a, a more I don't know uh, positive uh, review. Not that their review was bad or that their kind of playthrough was was awful. It just wasn't as much of a a good time as the other ones. But I I, I do still want to recommend their work. Metal Gear Mondays really good stuff. Uh, also, uh, the Kojima Frequency, uh, they've had a couple really good ones. That's just uh, kind of, again, as you'd imagine, more Hideo Kojima-related um, stuff. So check that out. And finally, the one I've mentioned a couple times on here, the Shadow Moses Cafe. That is right now hidden my sweet spot in terms of Metal Gear's, Metal Gear Solid uh, discourse and discussion. They've done a couple really good in-depth uh, analyses, analyses of... 
uh, characters and things like that. Uh, Shane Smith and another guy whose name I cannot recall off the top of my head, but I do know that he's done some great video essays on YouTube that you can find about uh, Metal Gear Solid V that I also, gosh, recommend so much. And that I know uh, you can follow under Future Sound Productions. Um, yeah, and if you look up any sort of Metal Gear analysis, you're going to find a lot of work by him. He's done a lot of great work, and I wish I had his real name uh, in front of me right now. But, um, yeah, it's just the way it is, I guess. Uh, uh, so, again, thank you for listening to that. wasn't as long as, as last uh, week's, and I promise the week after this will not be as long. We'll kind of get back to our regular kind of uh, lengths. But there's a lot of ground to cover here, and I thank uh, both uh, Pete and Jason for joining me in this uh look at a really, really great video game series that I hope some of you will consider um, you know, checking out after after the discussion that, uh, that uh, I've uh, been able to provide. <laughs> Anyways, um, before uh, uh, next week, I, uh, or next episode, I am really excited to be joined by, uh, this will be definitely a record, uh, probably the longest length of time in between discussions. I think we're, we're talking about 30 years, actual like conversations. Um, um, we've, we've, we've talked over social media uh, and various discussions on message boards. And this is, uh, but this is, yeah, for sure. This is, we're talking about 30 years in between where we actually said words to each other. And it's my friend, uh, Ken Blake, uh, Kenneth Blake from, uh, elementary school I've known him since and that was around the time uh, I was in junior high when I you know uh, we kind of went off in different directions after that uh, wrapped up but now we're getting back together to talk about our very last day at, at uh, North Haven Elementary School grade six and what would have been on because we were wrestling fans as you can imagine yeah that's right folks it's another wrestling uh, episode we're going to look at uh, on our last day of school at North Haven Elementary, what was playing on our local TV, the two wrestling shows that played that day um, as we kind of, uh, you know, became, moved on from boys to to slightly older boys. <laughs> um, but because this was a, a you know, really big part of what shaped our childhood. And I know wrestling is a big part of uh, both me and Ken's life today, too. So we're I'm really excited for our next episode. And I hope you guys will join us. Until then, uh, yeah, you know where uh, to follow me and find us. I mentioned it at the beginning. Um, look for Mystery Titans Theater. Follow us at the Poem Podcast Network. And uh, uh, f- uh, follow Gideon Guys as well, because uh, that's a really, really fun show, too. Thanks for listening, you guys. This has been another episode of Yours, Mine, and the Truth. We will see you next time. Bye-bye. <laughs>